It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, November 17, 2014. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani here in our New York City studio back from Mexico City. What an interesting week that was down south. Of course, Fabricio Verdum, now the new UFC interim heavyweight champion. He defeated Mark Hunt in a very entertaining fight. And I would say... Mark Hunt did a lot better than most people thought he would. He, in fact, won the first round, in my opinion, and was looking pretty good until, of course, Verdum landed that flying knee, finished Mark Hunt in the second round. Good stoppage there. Hunt did not disagree with it. And now we've got Verdum as the interim champion, and hopefully we'll see that fight we've wanted to see for quite some time, Fabricio Verdum versus Kane Velasquez. And I got to say, I got to give props to Mark Hunt for uh, the way he fought and, you know, just... After, <clears throat> excuse me, after talking to him on Wednesday and seeing his demeanor and everything that he had been going through from the elements to the weight cut to, of course, the family issues, to regroup come Friday and, 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 and go, like, turn into a different person, really. I mean, he, he went from a defeated man, a man who could not care less about what transpired on Saturday, to back to the old jovial, fun-loving Super Samoan, and he showed up. Three weeks notice, he definitely showed up, so... That's one of those losses, in my opinion, where his stock really doesn't fall all that much. Still a draw, perhaps even more popular than ever. Interesting to see what the buy rate will be for UFC 180. And of course, that was a very busy night in the world of mixed martial arts. We had UFC 180, which was an entertaining show. Even though there were a lot of names and faces that we didn't recognize, some great finishes, some fun fights down in Mexico City for their debut. Of course, Bellator. A new day for Bellator with Tito Ortiz versus Stefan Bonner. And all indications are that that show was a success for Bellator. And then World Series of Fighting, David Branch defeating Yushin Okami. TKO might have been the surprise of the entire evening. Branch retaining his UFC, UFC, WSOF middleweight crown. And this is a very busy day uh, once again for the UFC with a big press conference. If you're watching this live, it's in four hours from now. The time is now, they are calling it, and they're going to have a bunch of big names. Anderson, Nick Diaz, Weidman, Belfort, Ronda, Zingano, Gustafson, Rumble. I mean, all the big names that are fighting in the next couple of months are going to be there. They're also making a big announcement. They're going to announce their schedule for 2015. So right after this show, if you're watching this live, you can watch that press conference. There's a lot to talk about these days in the world of the UFC and mixed martial arts. All right, who is joining us on this show. I can't wait for this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, at around 325, we'll take your questions and comments. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you have a lot of things that you want to talk about, so hit us up as always. Hashtag the MMA Hour. Leave a question or comment in the comment section below. 305, we're going to go inside the vault. Fun one. Timely one. So looking forward to that. 245, we're going to talk to Frankie Edgar, who faces Cub Swanson on Saturday. UFC Fight Night 57 in Austin, Texas. Huge fight at 145 pounds and even bigger now that Dennis Bermuda has lost to Ricardo Lamas on Saturday night. At 225, we're going to talk to Rumble Johnson. I'm sure you heard by now. He'll be facing Alexander Gustafsson January 24th in Sweden. 30,000-seat arena, the second biggest UFC show ever. If all goes to plan, of course, behind UFC 129. That's the main event on Fox. And that's going to be a huge fight at 205 pounds. At 205, how about this one? We are going to be joined 
by Mr. 209 himself, the man who will be facing Anderson Silva on January 31st. Nick Diaz, Nick Diaz, Nick Diaz is going to be joining us at 205. Let's just leave it at that and pray it actually happens. At 145, we're going to be joined by Eve Edwards, who has a big fight against Akbar Ariola this Saturday at UFN 57. And at 125, we're going to be joined by Metamorphs founder Halleck Gracie. Metamorphs 5 is this Saturday, and it's another busy Saturday if you're a fan of all kinds of combat sports, because not only is there the UFC in Austin, there's Manny Pacquiao fighting and Metamorphs. A lot of options if you like combat sports. And he'll actually be breaking some news. So stay tuned for that. But for now, let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in my good pal, colleague over at MMAfighting.com. Of course, there he is, the man with the hat, Chuck Mininall himself. Chuck, how are you? Good. How you doing, Ariel? I'm doing is that great. a black belt? Did, was yes. that some kind of black belt you got there? This is your so first. Is that what has you? Oh, well, I just wanted you to see <laughs> who you're going up against right here. Oh, wow. Just so we know, this is, we got a little game of kinetic chess here, my friend. Wow. <laughs> So they give those things out to anyone, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, after this interview, there goes your black belt, like Mark Hunt once said. Um, let's talk about what happened on Saturday night, because you may have had the best seat in the house. You were at home in Connecticut. You weren't at any particular event, and that's why I wanted to have you on, because you, you sort of watched us, A, as a journalist, but also as a fan. You had to make some tough choices. So take us through what Saturday was like in the uh, Mindanao household. How did you watch? How did you keep your finger on the pulse of all those events? Well, I said my remote control was smoking in the end because I kept going back and forth. The good thing with the pay-per-view was that they uh, they were they were sort of going through it so fast. We had a lot of early stoppages, and so it was uh, you know the fin they were finishing fights really quickly. Um, and the UFC just kept pumping them through. By I think like an hour and fifteen minutes in, we were already looking at the main event coming on. So it left plenty of time to go and check out Tito and Bonner. Um, and in between, I was able to you know the fights happened so fast, I was able to catch the bulk of like Gaethje against Gillard and uh, a couple of the others. So I was going back and forth, but. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was a little strange because if, if you're on your Twitter feed, you know, you're obviously doing that as well. And I was doing the play-by-play -play for MMA fighting for the, uh, the main card at UFC 180. And uh, you're catching so much information, it's like uh, you're, you're sort of having to sort of put things away and move things around. But it, overall, it was a lot of fun, actually. I, th I, th I thought it was, like, you know, fun to go from one to the next and see the presentation, see Bellator sort of rolling out their walkouts and sort of uh, bringing back the strike force with pride, you know, uh, you know mixture going on and... Um, and, and great fights at UFC as well. So I, it, was, it was fun to kind of go back and forth. You call it fun, but would you like this to be the norm? Would, <laughs> would, you, would you enjoy if all Saturday nights or most Saturday nights were frenetic and, and, and stack like that, or do you prefer having it all separate? I prefer there are no fights on a Saturday night, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would say uh, this one was a little unique because it felt like it, you were seeing something about Bellator's future a little bit, like, you know, their, the entertainment value that they're trying to bring out. So they, they had, like, you know, they had the big Dave and Buster's thing going on beforehand. There was a lot of hype behind it. Um, some guys that we knew, some guys that were legit good fights with Will, uh, with Will Brooks and Michael Chandler. There, was, there were a lot of cool aspects to what they were doing. The World Series of Fighting, you know, they had Justin Gaethje going against Melvin Gerrard, and they had, uh, you know, Yushin Okami was fighting. Uh, to me, it felt like there was some compelling fights on each one. If it's just a matter of having three fights overlapping each other, three cards, I'm not about that. 
I would prefer. I, I like the idea of I like the idea of the what was going on in those cards, not necessarily the fact that there were just three going on one at the same time. There is something to that. I mean, it felt a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you remember these days, but the Monday Night Wars, when you're just kind of going head to head, it it almost raises everyone and it makes it feel like there's some kind of competition going on. But right. I would prefer if this wasn't the norm because I, I I like you know it's hard to digest all of this. I was at a UFC event. I wanted to watch what was going on. I couldn't watch couldn't watch it live right. at least. So I, I feel like you know once in a while, yeah, that's kind of cool, like a Super Saturday, if you will. But I would prefer. And especially, and we'll get to this, you know, come 2015 where Bellator does things a little differently and they're doing, you know, one show every month or so. I would prefer if they don't go head to head, but who knows? Maybe, you know, it's one of those things where if you look at the Monday Night Wars, both of them actually got better ratings as opposed to when they were on separate days. So I don't know how that works. I don't quite understand it, but selfishly, I would prefer them being separate. It was was fun as a novelty, you know, to see how, you know, just to do this one time, but it would get old fast. I can tell you that. Okay, so who's the MVP of uh, the MVP of Saturday night? If, if you had to pick, if you put all the cards together, all the fights together, what's the one performance that sticks out in your mind? I'd probably go with Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, wow, to me, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, to me, he's he was going up against a guy who I really thought had a lot, you know, a, a lot to lose. Jake Ellenberg, he's sort of listless in his last couple of losses. I thought he was going to come out guns blazing. He still was a little tentative, but I just thought that Kevin Kelvin Gastelum, just the way he, uh, you know, he turned that takedown into a into a choke, was pretty amazing. He just uh, he's 23 years old. It's funny with a guy like him, you keep waiting, you know, you keep raising the bar on who's fighting. He beats a guy like Uriah Hall, you know, and at the at the beginning we think, oh, well, what a big upset. He beats a guy like Rick Story, even though it was, you know, close. You know, you're looking at that as, eh, maybe something. Then he gets this one, you're like, he's real. You know, you like you all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who. Uh, you know, could be a, a real player, only 23 years old. Uh, and to me, this was his breakout moment against a guy I thought would really come out and, uh, and challenge him and Jake Ellenberg. So that really stood out. But, but I mean, there were so many great performances. Fabrizio Verdum, uh, to me, and Mark, I mean, they both kind of went in there and put on a fight that was going to, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a very compelling fight. You know, Hunt, Hunt had him on the ropes a couple of times. Uh, Hunt was conserving his energy, just sort of letting him get to his feet and um, just picking his shots. Uh, it looked like we might be witnessing something a little bit historic, and Mark, and Mark Hunt just, you know, taking that fight on three weeks' notice and all the obstacles that he had to overcome. Uh, but to me, Fabrizio Verdum, how crazy is that guy? Like, he's always <laughs> just sort of upset. I, I wrote a piece about just sort of upsetting people's narratives. I think a lot of the story about them going to Mexico is all about Cain Velasquez and Mexico, and then all of a sudden it's about Mark Hunt and the Cinderella story. He just sort of shuts the door on those types of storylines, and uh, you know, to get to score a flying as a heavyweight, pretty amazing stuff. So uh, I, I would, I would also look to that fight. Gaethje as well, kind of proved himself a little bit against Gillard. I believe, according to Fight Metric, that was the first flying knee KO in UFC heavyweight division history. So certainly that was historic. And yeah. now, if we do see the fight that we've wanted to see for quite some time, Verdum versus Kane, you talk about him right. spoiling everyone's narratives and stories and whatnot. Do you think he can pull that one off? Well, it's the same thing kind of leading up. I mean, he was he's sort of happy to let people take their perception where they want to go, you know, let let everybody believe that Cain Velasquez is just going to steamroll him, just like it was with Fedor Emelianenko. Um, even going back to Brandon Vera and guys like that, I remember sort of people thinking like, hey, Verdum was the guy who might, you know, end up on the receiving end of some bad business, you know, that type of thing. But he's very crafty, very smart fighter. Um you know, I, he's to the point where a couple of times on the Mark Hunt fight, you're not sure if he actually got hit with something big or if he was just going to his yes, back yes. Um, and sort of 
duping him into something, you know, you're not sure with a guy like that. And I feel like he's got a lot of those tricks up his sleeve, but he's also really well-rounded. I feel like he keeps proving himself on his feet. I think for a long time we, we just talked about his ground game. Well, look what he, you know, look at the Roy Nelson fight or look at Travis Brown. Look at those fights. I mean, to me, he's, um, you know, the, the ground game is, it's good. It's great that he has it, but at the same time, he's very lethal on his feet. So uh, to me, it's a very intriguing fight. You know, the, the, the big difference here. Is Cain Velasquez's pressure, that was going to be a thing. How does he deal with that pressure? You know, obviously, if you start getting caught up uh, on the fence and eating a bunch of punches and knees and elbows and everything, it can go south quickly. But he is a crafty fighter. To me, that's a very compelling fight. And by no stretch of the imagination, do I feel like Velasquez is going to steamroll him. Yeah, I love that fight. And I think we need to give a lot of credit to Rafael Cordero. What he's done with the likes of Verdum and Rafael Dos Anjos, who's fighting next uh, next yeah. month. I mean, he's turned those guys into great strikers. You know, I got to give props also to Verdum for his PR work. He really took the torch from Velasquez. He became the adopted Mexican. He was loving it all week long. He was dancing, singing. He was playing the music. I mean, he really played up to the crowd. But I don't know if this was noticeable on TV, he wasn't the favorite in that arena. And this was a very knowledgeable crowd. You know, this crowd, first of all, I was blown away that they watch our stuff. I mean, I thought, you know, when we go to Brazil, it's, you know, the, 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 the people, it's not an English-speaking country. They're, they're not huge fans of MMA fighting. I understand that. They were very knowledgeable, and you could tell that they were pulling for Mark Hunt, which surprised me. And I think it's because yeah. these are longtime fans, pride fans, and, and whatnot. Right. That being said... I do think of fighting Kane and Verdum in Mexico, considering all the work that Verdum did all week long. And prior to that would be gigantic in Mexico. Speaking of the Mexican crowd and the Mexican people and the Mexican MMA, what do you think of the talent? Because I'm assuming this was probably the first time you got to see those Ultimate Fighter guys. I mean, other than Sean yeah. Alshadi. I don't know if many yes. North American journalists watched that. Sean Alshadi watched Sean the, entire epi- the entire season, which is which deserves a bonus in itself. What do you think of the talent? Are they there, or do you think we're going to see them sort of like the tough China guys where they just fight themselves for a bit? I think it's going to be more yeah. like that. I, I, I don't know. Nothing really stood out to me, honestly. Like the, A couple of guys had moments, but honestly, it, it looked like they're, they're still a long way to go. Very, I would actually make that comparison to China. Um, to me, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's starting to boom. It's starting to pick up steam, but you're, it's going to take some time for those guys to get as well-rounded you know, they, they might have specific areas in boxing or specific areas in this or that, but they're, they're not putting it all together. It, it, I would say that uh, in a couple of years, maybe we'll be looking at some good prospects coming out of there. I believe it was Mark Ramundi who said that in our post-fight wrap-up that he liked the idea of Gaslam versus Woodley next. Do you think Gaslam is ready for a jump like that? Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, he's... I was kind of looking back at his, his previous fights. I mean... To, to start sort of with Uriah Hall, and then he's had Rick Story. He had, uh, who was the other kid he fought last? But then, you know, anyway, getting uh, Ellenberger, to me, that's a, it's a very gradual. To me, you know, he, the way he's beat these guys, especially the way he took down uh, Ellenberger, yeah, I think he could be ready for something like that. Um, it's sort of nice to see a guy like him who comes off tough, and they build him a little bit slowly. You know, he's been sort of uh, kind of making his movement, and I felt like Ellenberger was his first big hurdle when he cleared it very well. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I, would, I, I could see the UFC as well trying to give him somebody a little less than that, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I, I would almost, I'd almost put it at a 50-50 was fighting Woodley. I think that he could, uh, you know, he matches up with anybody. And I think his team is confident against guys like Woodley. And look, I mean, it's Jake Ellenberger. Three losses in a row or not, I mean, I can't put a lot of stock. He, he lost to Rory, Robbie, and now Kelvin. There isn't a lot of room between Ellenberger and Woodley, so I think you got to 
You got to go with the guy, and, and he's undefeated, and he's marketable. Big uh, big reaction in Mexico. His wins in the UFC, by the way, Uriah Hall, Brian Melanson, Rick Story, Nico Masuki, and, of course, sure. Jake Ellenberger yes, yeah. on, right. on Saturday. Um, let's switch over to Bellator for a second now. So there was a lot <laughs> of talk about how it felt like a fresh start. It felt like the old days, strike force and whatnot. What did you think? I mean, watching the product, did it feel different to you? Did it feel like the old Scott Coker days? Because from where I sat, watching it afterwards... It did have that vibe with the guys sitting around the cage, the VIPs and whatnot. It felt like a big deal, ramp and all, right? It did, 100%. It felt like a different product, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I was contemplating what Bjorn Rebney thinks, you know, like <laughs> as I'm watching it. Like, what is Bjorn Rebney? What is he doing right now, swishing his brandy? But um, it's one of those things where you, uh, it was so different, you know, on so many levels that it just felt like a whole different promotion. I, I almost wouldn't have thought it was possible. It felt like Bellator had a, a black eye. Um, to the point where maybe wouldn't be able to come back, you know, uh, and to see them sort of steer into not, I don't know necessarily about a media darling or a fan darling or anything like that, like we've seen with some of the other, but it certainly has like a different vibe and it's like, a, it's a more fun vibe. It's like the entertainment factor has been ramped up. It's almost like they've, they've understood, like if we can't compete with the UFC in straight up meritocracy and talent and all those things, let's at least put on things that are going to be entertaining. Let's make these walkouts. Like, come on. Mike Richmond coming out, you know, they, they, that what was like an epic walkout for a guy that <laughs> it was crazy. But things like that, it made it a lot more fun. It made it that much more intriguing. Um, and it was sort of fun because if you, you've been to those Strike Force shows, they used to do stuff with pyrotechnics. They were always having guys walk out, you know, kind of in these big, grand ways, you know. And I, to me, I, that, that's fun. I remember when I first talked to Dan Henderson right after Pride and I asked him what he, what he was going to miss and he talked about just the walkouts, you know. So, I mean, it matters to the fighters, too, to kind of get that sort of reception and everything. So, to me, it all translated on, on television. I'm sure it translated in the arena. And it was fun to see guys like Josh Koscheck just sort of hanging in the background yeah. and uh, other, you know, Hoist Gracie and all these guys. So, it, it was just a fun event. It felt bigger than Strike Force because the Strike Force ramp and walkout, to me, always felt a little chintzy. There was nothing in back of them. It was just like a black curtain. And <laughs> here, true. when you saw those, those, you know, those screens, I mean, to me, it, it, it proved that Viacom is truly behind this product. And you know, we hear about this Viacom money a lot from Dana White. This it's got what, forty billion dollars exactly, sitting in a match, just somewhere. sitting on it. Um, <laughs> they're out of the pro wrestling game, and it feels like they're putting a lot of time, attention, and resources into. Uh, so I was going to say Strike Force <laughs> into Bellator, and to me, you know, they they totally copied the UFC. They announced their schedule before the event. They brought out all those guys. I mean, totally ripping off what the UFC is doing. But you look <laughs> at this card, the British Invasion card. I love that idea with Paul Daly headlining yeah. and guys like Liam McGeary and probably Michael Page. They're going to do four of those shows, those big shows with the ramp and all. Then the smaller shows will be once a month, and that won't have the ramp and all that stuff. But I got to say, going into, you, you, you nailed it. It feels like all of a sudden everyone's kind of, you know, the media darlings. and what, It feels like people have gotten over their hatred towards Bellator. And right. they feel like it's okay to, you know, it, not root for them, but it's okay to cover them. It's okay to be, you know, um, sort of pulling for their success. Not the, not the fans, not the media, the fans, you know, because it even felt like the fans had this grudge against Bellator back in the day. It's, a, it's an interesting juxtaposition, and it really makes you wonder in terms of where the, the hiccup really was. Was it Bjorn Rebney? Was it just him? Yes, sort I think of, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it could have <laughs> been. And, I mean, honestly, when you were talking to, uh, you know, Bellator people in those days, you know, the, the PR people and everything, you know, it just didn't have a very positive vibe. I feel like it's like this rebirth with those guys. Even those guys, they're all very into it. It seems like a fun venture. It seems like sort of like they're understanding how to uh, – you know how to fuck, how to fill like a, a niche that maybe isn't being hit, 
again, you know, like uh, that's one thing that Scott Coker was very good at with Strike Force, not just uh, you know mounting his talent and getting guys that would be coveted by the UFC, but essentially you know putting together interesting fights without depth, you know, which is a trick because I feel like everybody wants to know what's next for this guy, what's next for that. Scott Coker's always been a guy who just puts the most immediate good fight he can you know find and then deals with that stuff after the after the fact. But so far, so good for those guys during his run. I love the idea of putting together fights like Schilling and Manhoff, which mean nothing in yeah. the grand scheme of things, but it's a complete 180 from what Bellator was. Bellator was like, this is the quarterfinal of this, and it got so confusing. Right. Now, let's just put in the most fun matchups possible, and then we'll worry about the other stuff later, and I think that they're in a good place there. Chandler, Chandler Brooks was kind of the people's main event, as I called it. It was the most important fight on the card. Brooks wins, cements himself as the real Bellator lightweight champion. A bizarre ending. Were you okay with the finish? Yeah, I mean, he that was bizarre, like <laughs> like you said. Um, I don't know when you got a chance to actually look at it, but playing out live, it was almost it was one of those moments you're like, well, what just what's happening? What happened there? You're not even sure what you're looking at, but um, he basically turned around and was like, I'm done, which is to me a tap. I mean, that's the same thing. It's just saying you know it's a different form of tapping out. Um, even it, obviously he was. Uh, it seemed to me like he got hit or something and was a little bit lost his bearings or it didn't that's uh, you know Mike watching Chandler for so long that seemed so out of the ordinary to see him do something like that but um ultimately you gotta you gotta give it to, to Brooks man he uh not only did he wreck the trilogy that was sort of the hinge of everything went on with Bellator during that time by by you know taking out Chandler the first time now he backs it up. I mean, it's like, wow, this guy just inserted himself into the conversation. Not only did that, but just sort of, you know, took over the division just like that. And it shows you what a guy can do with an opportunity. But ultimately, I mean, you know, he, he did a good job in that fight. You know, he, he looked great in that fight. I had no problem with the stoppage. To me, it came right after the big punch. It seemed like he was all out of sorts. And Brooks did what he had to do. A very different. It reminded me a little bit of Mayweather Ortiz when Ortiz just stopped fighting in their in their boxing match. Um, but yeah. this came right after a big punch, and it just felt like he had completely lost his equilibrium or just lost where Something. he was, and, and Brooks pounced on him. And, and all of a sudden, Michael Chandler has lost three fights in a row, how the mighty have fallen. And it's going to be interesting to see how far Will Brooks can go. Tito Ortiz, go ahead. Go ahead. That, that, was, uh, that was something about this weekend, you know, just with the rapid fire, all these events going on. You lose track of all the guys that were sort of contenders at some point that sort of now went away all in one night. Yushin Okami being a guy like that, he was a contender, and he loses David Branch. Suddenly he's, it just seems like he's done, you know, yeah. in terms of ever competing for a belt. And then you got, like, Melvin Gard, who was so close to getting a title shot in the UFC, and then he insisted on fighting that. Houston got, got caught up with the Joe Lozon thing. Um, etc. And then that sort of snowballed into a, a downfall for him. You felt like you were sort of seeing him now. He's just relegated to a certain space yep. in that, you know, in the in that lightweight world. But um, and there was there was you know, and Michael Chandler being another one, a guy who was on the rise, and and suddenly here he is, sort of botting him out. And how about Dennis Bermudez and Jake Ellenberger? These are guys yep. who are very close. In particular, yep. Ellenberger. I mean, shocking now, you know, where he is. He's in a very tough spot, and the Bermudez result as well. After he beat Jake Shields, man, I, I was yeah. I was convinced he was going to be the guy who was, you know, I, I thought he was going to get a title shot. It's going to be very interesting. That's where he was at, and. Um, you know, the Martin Campman, he lost to Martin Campman in that comeback fight, and then a sort of, I think he got a couple of fight, a couple of wins after that, but it's just, I, I don't feel like he's been the same fighter since then. I know it's hip to hate on Tito Ortiz, but I think we need to give him some credit. He's now on two in a row, and yes, they were, you know, they, they were kind of weird fights, one against a middleweight, the other against Stefan Bonner, who did not look good in that fight, but look, a win is a win, and 
early, early indications are that, that, you know, he drew well as far as the crowd is concerned and on TV, we'll see what the yeah. final numbers are. But what do you do with right. Tito Ortiz at this point? Because it's clear to me that in a day and age where a lot of guys are retiring, the stars of yesteryear are no more. He is still a draw at the end of the day. He, people still yeah. remember this guy. He is. It's really strange because when he beat uh, Ryan Bader at UFC 132, I think it was. Yeah. When he beat him, uh, I remember I wrote some kind of column uh, basically saying he should he should fight Rashad Evans. He turned the fight down, then he ended up taking it anyway. And it was crazy how many fan, of his fans came out of the woodwork to basically crucify me <laughs> on really? that piece. Um, his I remember fans this. I remember really that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember that. They're, they're like these dormant, you know, like <laughs> these fans that just sort of sit and wait for the moment that they can get behind him again. And uh, and here he is. I mean, like you said, they're sort of they're sort of strange matchups these these last couple, but they do have like legitimate, you know, some legitimate fights. They could give them King Mo. They were having some heat in the post fight yep. presser. I'm um, to me, that's an interesting fight. And of course, you've got Quentin Rampage Jackson out there, so they can do the exact same thing. But I, I actually, you know, to me, Bonner was not really that intriguing. It gets a little more intriguing when you talk about King Mo versus him or or Quentin or Quentin Rampage Jackson. Yeah, and in this new Bellator, uh, we can put together those fights. You don't have to worry about the tournament and yep. whatnot. So um, certainly a fun... You know, I, I got to say, I think every promotion that had a show on Saturday, the best results happened for them. You know, Gaethje and Branch winning for World Series right. and Aguilar winning, that's what needed to happen. Ortiz winning, that's what needed to happen. Brooks Chandler is sort of a toss-up, but King Mo, Schilling even, because he's kind of fresh and yep. has that kickboxing background... Those are the results that needed to happen. UFC, I think the Verdum Kane fight is a bigger one, needed to happen. Uh, Gaslam needed to happen. So I, I think it was right. actually a great uh, night for all the promotions. And as I mentioned, it continues uh, next Saturday. Before I let you go, let's just get your quick pick. Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar. Now, in my opinion, becomes even more important after Dennis oh, yeah. Bermuda's lost on Saturday. Who's your pick? I've still got to go with Frankie Edgar, man. Ooh, wow. Uh, nice. I mean, he had that. He had that hiccup with those those losses, but they're against the best guys, you know. Uh, you know, Jose Aldo and um, and Henderson. But he, he's he's looked good. It's funny, man. We we fixate on how bad BJ Penn looked in that fight, but the other side of it is how good Frankie Edgar looked, how ready he looked, you know, to to put that kind of performance on. I feel like he's really chomping at the bit. I, I can't go against him against Cub Swanson. I just feel like uh, I know Cub Swanson's the hotter fight. He's won six fights in a row, but. Uh, I'm going with Frankie. I think he'll be too much in there. All right. It's a great card in Austin. Bobby yeah. Green and Edson Barbosa, Brad Pickett, Chico Camus, Jared Roshoff. Yeah. Matt fighting. Wyman. Matt Wyman, the return, yeah. who I've been trying to get yeah, on this man. show for I years. I love Matt Wyman. He's one, of those, he's one of those great figures in the game. You know, he's, he's taken almost two years off, and uh, he's getting back in there. And he was on a great run until he got knocked out. Yeah. T.J. Grant is the guy who beat him last. And that, like, imagine how long ago that was because T.J. Grant sure. has been out. So. Almost two um, years it's been. And a very important yep. fight at 125, Joseph Benavidez versus Dustin Ortiz. So a so, great card on card. Saturday night in Austin. We'll talk about that a little later on in the show at length. Chuck, pleasure as always. Thank you very much. And uh, Thanks, you, you can leave that black belt at the door. I think, I think there's only I'll room for one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Only room for one black belt on this show. There he is, Chuck Mindenhall of MMAfighting.com joining us. Great insight from his home in Connecticut. As I mentioned, a great card and uh, on Saturday for the UFC. But you know, when you look at what happened, it was so fascinating to be in that arena in Mexico on Saturday because I would I would guess that, and I said it on Twitter, ninety five percent. It might even be more that at least ninety five percent of our audience had no idea who most of those guys were leading up to the main card, and even in the main card. I mean, Dodger. I mean, how many people knew who he was? And they were huge stars. I mean. 
that show that what it told me was that show well not you know it it, it wasn't made for for the audience back home it was it was strictly for the latin american audience that show was a success i mean the ratings say one thing but and and, and they were good but the people who came to that arena on saturday knew who those people were yair rodriguez is a star dodger is a star he wasn't on the show but still um you know mowgli star benitez i mean those guys were big deals and it was just so fascinating to be at a UFC event where the casual North American fan has no idea who these people are, has probably never seen them fight, and yet somewhere in this world, they're big deals. Just showed how far the, the UFC has come and the international expansion and how things are changing very rapidly. I mean, who would have ever thought that something like that would transpire this soon in the game? Where you go to a UFC event and there are guys who are huge draws, huge fan favorites, there are, there are villains, heels. They know what's going on. They know the stories. And yet back home, people don't know who they are. I thought that was fascinating. And that arena was gigantic. One of the biggest arenas I've ever seen for a UFC event. Outside, of course, of Toronto, just a straight arena. Huge. Really, really impressive turnout. Especially without Kane. I thought it was going to be a disaster without Kane. And the, the impression I got was the fans were not that upset about no Kane because... They were like, okay, we don't need to root for this guy. I mean, he's not 100%, you know, he's not born in Mexico. Of course, he's Mexican-American, and they love him. Don't get me wrong. But it didn't feel like they were heartbroken because the novelty of the UFC coming to Mexico for the first time was, was enough for them. It didn't ruin everything. There were enough guys that they cared to see, wanted to see, and, and that was important enough for them. The first time is always special enough, even without the big draw in the heavyweight champion. All right, let's move along. I said earlier, it's a busy weekend in the world of combat sports, UFC, Pacquiao fighting against Long Island's own Chris Algieri and Metamorphs is back. Their fifth event. It's a fascinating one. We've been talking about it uh, for the last you know few weeks or so. We had Rory McDonald on, who's competing against JT Torres. We had Henzo Gracie on, who's competing against Kazushi Sakuraba in a fun rematch. So we wanted to have Metamorphs founder Halleck Gracie on the show to talk about the card and a whole lot more. He joins us now via the magic of Skype. There he is. Halleck, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. How you doing, Ariel? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. By the way, before we get into the nitty-gritty, how do you feel about going up against some stiff competition? Great UFC card, Pacquiao. I mean, would you prefer to be on, you know, alone, your own night, or do you, do you enjoy this kind of competition? Um, man, I, I think we would prefer to be on alone. Um, we It was just kind of happenstance, and with, with putting together the negotiation to secure both Hanzu and Sakuraba, it was. Um, it ended up being kind of the only weekend that we could do, um, but we we're starting our show earlier. Okay. So Pacific time, it starts at two p.m., um, which I feel like you can get both. You know, if yeah. you wanted to check out Metamorris, you could start at two. You can even go and get some dinner and then come back in time for you know the Pacquiao or UFC event, um, or at least the main event of the UFC or the main card. Um, but yeah, we're we're excited, you know, nonetheless. And you know, we have our core audience and people who are who are interested and who wouldn't miss it for the world. So we're we're kind of above all, we're doing it for them. But yeah, we you know, we encourage people to kind of, you know, get as much as they can in for the weekend. Have you noticed a growth in your audience since the first show? Or are are you getting the impression that more people outside of the jujitsu world are tuning in? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, there's a, we've, we've been increasing uh, tremendously with our, you know, our viewership and just overall, like the piracy and like the, the, the intensity around just, you know, seeing the matches and seeing, you know, really what goes down. And obviously there was a lot of attention for the whole Chael Sonnen um, kind of fiasco, but it ended up being something that I think, you know, was really cool and really respectful and people really enjoyed seeing Chael in there when it came down to it. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that all just, you know, I think attracts more attention and, but no, I think ultimately, you know, you, you kind of have to have some kind of appreciation for grappling and for, the nuances of what's going down and, you know, uh, you know, you can have that from just a history of, of wrestling, or you can have that from an understanding of judo. If you've done judo, you know, as a kid, um, you know, so there's a lot of ways to access that. It's not just somebody who's a, who's an avid BJJ practitioner, um, that, you know, we would expect to enjoy the show or that, that would expect, or that would enjoy the show. I understand you have some breaking news regarding Saturday night's show. Hit us with it. <laughs> Man, that was just out of nowhere. So That's how we do we it. Do. We, have, we have some, um, you know, some unfortunate news and some pretty positive news. And you know, uh, the bad news is Kevin Casey is injured, and you know, he had to get emergency surgery on a, on a blood clot in his calf wow. um, th- th- over the weekend. So, which was news for us, and you know, he he had to take care of that, and is going to be out for at least a few weeks uh, because of that. And what we were thinking was, normally we would just replace Kevin with another person and say, okay, you know, uh, we, we you know, and make the announcement and say, hey, this person has been replaced. But what we want to do is, we want to invite the the entire community of martial artists and practitioners and grapplers to engage kind of in a, you know, we're basically creating an open opportunity for any athlete to come in. Um, you, you basically have to have a black belt in jujitsu. And if you don't have a black belt in jujitsu, but you're like a really solid judo guy or, or, you know, sambo or something like that, and you have a black belt in that art that works, but we're opening it up to anybody. And if you can beat uh, Vinny Magalais, we're putting $10,000 on the line. Wow. So we're basically making it available to anyone. And the whole idea is that, you know, we're always looking for the top guys. And it's not often, you know, it's not, it's not always the case that the best submission fighters are winning the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu events. You know, oftentimes the, the really core guys who are going only for submissions, they can't really survive in the, in the, the point system-based, you know, jiu-jitsu circuits. So we wanted to kind of make it very accessible. And all you have to do is email us at info at metamorse.com and send in the necessary information. And basically, we just, you have to send in a picture. You have to send in your age. You have to send in your weight, where you train, what academy you're from. And that could be any kind of academy, but you have to be a black belt. And um, you have to talk about where you got your black belt. You have to talk about how many years you've been training and give us a good reason why you should be able to go up against Vinny. And Vinny is willing to fight anybody at any weight. Wow. So we've confirmed that with him that, you know, he'll go against anyone at any weight. So it's, it's pretty exciting, you know, and I, I would like it for, for it to be somebody that is not just, you know, in the, in the top, you know, kind of expected category of, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters today. I would like it to be somebody kind of, um, you know, out of nowhere, you know, kind of that underdog story, I think is, is kind of what I'm looking for. 
but really it can be anyone and, you know, anyone who's willing to step up and anyone who thinks they're prepared, you know, with, with less than a week notice, which is also a reason why the, the prize money is, is what it is, um, which we think is very reasonable. I love this idea. Is this your idea? Actually, it is. <laughs> we'll give I, don't, I don't know if we have any idea. I don't know if people really come up with ideas anymore. I, I, don't, I think there's, you know, I collaborate a lot with a lot of people. So, you know. Well, but yeah, it, it, we're it's, definitely- it's a tremendous idea. I love it because it, it, it's kind of like that secret match idea that you had. It keeps people on their toes. I think it gives that you, you have enough established guys on the card to where you can have, you know, something fun like this. And credit to Vinny for stepping up and agreeing to it as well. I just want to be clear about something. If you, you know, get picked to, to do this match but lose, do you get paid anything? No. Okay. So you, you got to go in there and take that gamble that if you actually lose, you'll walk away with nothing except for some exposure and, you know, I'm sure some attention as well. Yeah, that's the whole point. I mean, it, you know, it could get more attention than, you know, every other match on the card. Who knows? You know, I think that and, and that's the, the future potential is, is, I think, what you gain. And even if you just draw... Even if you come in and just tie against Vinny and you look good in the process, people are going to want you back, you know, and we're going to want you back. So it, it's, it's basically, a, you know, an automatic invitation to come back. So you don't have to submit somebody to show that you're dominant or to show that you have, the, 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 you have what it takes to be on the Metamorphs mat. Um, you just you have to go in there and, and be tight and know what you're doing and, and put pressure on someone and, and be aggressive and and you know ultimately you have to go the whole distance and um, yeah you know do you have to live in North America? Um, not necessarily. Okay. Um, and you know we'll work with people if you know if they're out of the country, but it's at this point, given the amount of time that we have, it's yeah. probably, it's, it's easier for sure if they live in North America or even California. So that probably will increase your chances if you're from Southern California. But if you have the right story and the right credentials and you have the, the desire, it could be you. So I have a black belt right here. I won't say who gave it to me. Am I allowed to enter? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yeah, the my, fact that there's... my name on it too. <laughs> <laughs> do you want the true answer or do you want the funny answer? <laughs> uh, the true answer. It's not open to people like me, right? Unless I have a secret belt, black belt, or a red belt. Man, um, you know, if you wanted to do a match, Ariel, we could probably make that happen. Because <laughs> there would probably be enough people that want to see that. Yeah, want to kick my ass. I don't know, man. Who knows? Do you train at all? Well, I, not to the point where I would feel comfortable uh, competing at one of your events. It's the best of the best over there. That was just a joke. But I wanted to know, is there a deadline? I mean, it, do you have to you know, get your application in, and will you decide by a certain point? Of course, time is ticking, yes, so there has to be some kind of deadline, right? Yeah, we're deciding by tomorrow night. Oh, wow. At by tomorrow night at 10 p.m. So we literally have like, let, like just over 24 hours. 10 Pacific. Correct. Wow. Do you, ha- do you have an inkling? Like, do you have a wish list? Like, I hope this guy comes in or you're, you're, you're completely open. There's no bias involved. I'm completely open. And if anything, I, I want somebody that no one's ever heard of. That's great. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if he's like a, you know, a 300 pounder. No, it doesn't. That's the thing. And is there still, is there a secret match on this card as well? 
There is. Do you would know you what, like to know who it is? I would love to know. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want you don't want me to really tell you because no. then you would ruin the secret for everyone. Do you know who it is? I do. Is it good? Is it is it someone someone some both people are they are they people that will get us excited? Yes. And wow. and I think and not only that, this time around, the uniform is their choice oh. and is a secret. It's a secret. So it could be half gi, half no gi. Wow. That's all I'm going to tell you, though. That's, That's all I'm going to tell you. And is it hard to get these guys to agree to that? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like being a promoter, by the way? Do you enjoy this? You know, I think like everything, <laughs> it has ups and downs. You know, like everything, there's, 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 there's benefits and there's, you know, issues that you come across. And I think... Man, I, yeah, I think ultimately I, I'm built for this. You know, I think it is a warrior kind of mentality uh, position, you know, that just no matter what, you just keep going and you, you push hard and, you know, the ups and downs are just part of the game and like everything. But, yeah, I think you do feel it a little more as a promoter, especially when, you know, you're on the way up and you're building something. So, but, uh, hey, you know. There's uh, if it was easy, everybody would be sure. doing it. Uh, does Halleck Gracie have a dream match? There's a fight on your 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 whiteboard in your mind. If I could put this together, that would just be the ultimate. Do you have that match? So th- the main event of Metamorphs Five, yeah, it was a dream match for me. What a great um, promoter you are! That's the perfect answer. It really is, actually. And um, but it, man, I people like that match. Man, that has potential to be better than Hoyler and Eddie Bravo. You mm-hmm. know, like it just it, for me, it just it has so much culture. It just you know, and being that Saku has a whole different style, and that you know, it's just a whole, it, it's a whole nother. And being that there's you know, Hanswood, he has the, the the demons in his closet. You know, his arm has been broken by this person. You know, that's just it's it's so rich. You know, and I, yeah, I, I absolutely think that's going to be an incredible match, but. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. I would love to do something with BJ Penn. I'd oh. love to have him in the event. Yes. Just, you know, I think just him coming back to his roots as a grappler would just be incredible. You know, I think people would really get to see something, you know, like a whole other side to him and, and kind of embracing that side of his culture, which I think is, you know, really important to him. And that was kind of, you know, a big part of his introduction into MMA. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing something with BJ. Have you reached out to him? Uh, we have, we have, it's um, like on many occasions and we've heard back and it's just timing wise, it just hasn't really worked. Um, I think it just really is going to come down to the right time and um, you know, the right opponent and doing something that really makes sense. That something that gets him excited to do it, you know, cause I understand like, you know, it, there's not, and even like for someone like Hanzu, there is very few people that will make Hanzu want to get on the map yeah. in Metamoris. There's not a lot of people. So, and he's a warrior and he'll fight anybody. But really, you know, when I said Sakuraba, he was like, I'm in, you know, sign me up. Like there's no, and, and Saku had a similar response. So that kind of, that kind of polarity, you know, and that kind of energy in between the athletes, you know, that's, that's kind of my guide from the beginning. So I want to do that with BJ. I want to get somebody that he feels is, it brings that level of polarity. Do you have a dream <laughs> opponent in mind for him? <laughs> you're, I see how you're trying to stay with my dreams. Yes, so I like your I, 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 dreams are fun. Like you 
because you know my dreams become reality. So sure. you're, you're trying to get that. <laughs> I'm trying to enter your mind. Yeah, <laughs> man. Um, you know, I haven't. Uh, we we have some ideas, but it's not even. Uh, you know, yeah. You don't want you know, to say like it. him. It's okay. Him I understand. Him versus like how would be nuts. Oh yes, of course. Or like something like that. That's just, but that's kind of the drama, you know. I don't really need that either, but that <laughs> yeah. would be not. Right? That's true. You have a lot of drama so, in your life. Yeah, so we're, we're we're working it out, man. We'll come up with something good. What's the expectation for Roy McDonald? Because he isn't known in our world as, you know, in our world being the MMA world as, you know, a traditional grappler. He doesn't come from that background. Of course, he is very good on the ground. But against someone like JT Torres, who my audience here may not know, he's not a household name in the MMA world, but for all indications are he is very accomplished. He is very strong on the ground. What is your expectation for Rory then? You know, man, I, I really, um, man, my... No gi, it's a different game. You know, for people who don't know, this the is difference. No this match is no gi. This is no gi. Okay. So the difference between gi and no gi, it makes a huge difference. You know, and really, it's unfair to assume that if somebody can't fight in a gi, that they're not a better grappler because gi is is like its own game. You know, it's like it's like tennis. You have a tennis racket. You know, in a gi game, you have your gi. And you have certain tricks that, that you train and you spend time training that make you more successful with the gi. And that's it. And so if Rory is not training with the gi as much as who his opponent is, then he's at a complete disadvantage. But training no gi is what you do for an MMA fight. Mm-hmm. You know, you do your jujitsu and your wrestling the same way you would, but you include, you know, you include your, your striking on top of that as an MMA fighter. Um, I think Rory is one of the guys, one of the few guys that is a black belt, that's an MMA fighter that has the ability to go in there and be, um, you know, just keep it even, you know, and if he can't keep it even, um, I think it's going to either go one way or the other. And I think it's, yeah, it's of course, statistically, it's less likely that he should be able to go in there and just get a a decisive submission against um, JT, but he has a a 20 pound weight advantage, you know, and that, you know, that means something. I think um, my brothers just released a video about how every, every um, I think every 10 pounds is it, like contributes to a certain part of a belt, you know, or something like that. So, and they have this like way of kind of quantifying the, the weight and what it does for you and your grappling. So, you know, being a black belt, being that it's slippery and that it's no gi and being that he has a weight advantage, you know, uh, and being that I don't see him going in there and being shy or scared or or kind of getting getting caught in the hype of oh man I'm out of my element and this guy is better than me I don't think mentally he's he's that weak so if he comes in strong mentally and he shows up with you know with his his best and he's in the moment man that can that can go either way you know and it's the same where J, JT doesn't have the ability to to prepare for him he doesn't have like a real solid grounds for knowing what are his submissions, what are what is his approach, and you know, it's uh you know, but yeah, I, I think ultimately um, he's going up against a lot with JT, and JT does nothing but train submissions, and he doesn't think about punches ever, so that means something, you know. What do you think? What, what do I think is going to happen in the in the match? 
Yeah. Like, what do you think about well, the matchup? I, well, I, lo- I, I look, I've told you this before. I love when you bring in these UFC names, especially Rory. I mean, Rory is a top contender in the welterweight division. It draws people like me in who, who may not be the most you know, uh, knowledgeable BJJ fan or the biggest BJJ fan. I, I am going to go out of my way to watch this because I know who Rory is. I know who Henzo is. I think you always have a very nice mix of those guys and the ones that the hardcores will love. I Honestly, no ass-kissing here. There's very few complaints I can I can throw out there about your product. I just love the way it looks. I, I and I'm and I'm not I will not watch anything else. I don't watch Abu Dhabi. I don't watch the 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 trials. I don't watch IBJJF. I don't watch any of that stuff. I will go out of my way and pay the money to watch your product. I really love everything from the announcers to the drums and all that stuff. It has a very cool vibe and especially now that you've softened up towards the media, which I give you a thumbs up about. <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm a fan of Metamorphs and I can say that because I'm not a BJJ reporter. One last thing though before I go as I transition here, is there anything new, any new wrinkles about the product that you're going to you're going to introduce because it seems like there's always something a little different every time out. Anything that we can expect come Saturday? But that you don't want to be, you don't want it to be a surprise. Well, okay, man. Tell us, is there going to be new? You don't have to necessarily tell me what it is, but are there new things planned? Um, there are some slight adjustments. You know, I don't know what you're talking about all the way, but yeah, there's okay. you know from just from everything to the to the production and just you know the intermission, and we have definitely some different things planned. We have three commentators this time. Oh, who are they? Um, which this is also an exclusive, uh, (laughs) an exclusive drop for who, you know, who we're going to have as commentators, but, um, we're going to have Kenny Florian and Jeff Glover, and we're also going to add Kit Dale. Okay. Who's, uh, the jujitsu practitioner, you know, part-time comedian, filmmaker. And, um, we, we thought he would be an interesting addition and, you know, amazing grappler out of Australia. He actually competed in our last tournament and, um, fortunately lost to Gary Tonin. Yep. But, you know, as somebody who in front of the camera is just uh, is really cool, is really entertaining. So we're, we're excited to get him in there for that. And um, that's it, man. We have um, so three commentators this time, which I'm a little bit concerned about. You know, I don't really for me, I kind of like the idea of two, but I'm getting told otherwise. So we'll, we'll try it out. Um, how do you feel about two versus um, three? It or? depends on who it is. Sometimes three can be a little crowded. It could be uh, it could be people you know talking over each other. But um, I like that you don't have you know since you don't have a traditional play by play guy so to speak. I think that this could work because they'll all be sort of discussing amongst themselves, collaborating. There's no lead guy, so there aren't defined roles. And I think in that kind of setting, it can actually be very beneficial. If it's a traditional guy and then a color guy, I don't think if, I don't think it's necessarily okay. And by the way, you know, even one guy alone has, you know, has has worked in the past. But I, I think this is good. I, I like the fact that you keep adapting and evolving and whatnot. I have to let you go, Halleck, though, because we have a guest standing by. But continued success. You guys are doing tremendous work, and we'll be watching on Saturday. And I love the fact also that you're doing it a little earlier so that we can watch, you know, UFC and Pacquiao and whatnot. One more thing, a reminder, of course, if you want to uh, jump in there and compete against Vinny Magalhaes, go to metamorris.com and uh, Or no, actually, in, it's info at metamorris.com. You have to email, right? Correct. Info at metamorphs.com. If you missed the requirements, just rewind. Halleck laid it out. A fascinating thing. And let us know when you find your guy. I'm very curious to see who this lucky man or could it be a woman, by the way, or it has to be a man? It has to be a man? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Is it? (laughs) You know, man, I I think it has to be a man at this point. Okay, fair enough. 
it's it's it doesn't take much to email us in though um okay. and you know let's see no problem all right best of luck to you halleck thank you for the time all right thanks Ariel. there he is sure. halleck gracie founder of metamorris some really great stuff that they're doing i wasn't just saying that because he was on i i really enjoy their product and uh the stream looks nice the commentators are great uh last last time you saw josh barnett uh, pick up a huge win against Dean Lister and, you know, Chael lost, but I think he brought, he brought uh, a lot to the table as far as promotion is concerned this time. And we'd even get into their, their production value. I mean, their videos that they put out, as far as combat sports are concerned, their videos are, in my opinion, the best right now. I mean, those are, those are movie trailer quality stuff. And... I think, I think he's doing a great job. Hopefully they can stick around. I know it's tough to break through if you're a jiu-jitsu promotion, but I, I really like that they, they try to draw in people like us, the MMA fan who will not go out of his or her way to watch mixed martial arts, excuse me, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or any kind of grappling tournament. Um, they certainly draw me in. And that's tough these days. With so much uh, UFC and Bellator and World Series of Fighting on these days, it's tough to to get us to watch another combat sport and the occasional, you know, big boxing match, but I'm all in. And I know there was some talk about, it's tough to get that, 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 that media attention, especially with the UFC. And there was just a UFC. And if you're just a casual fan, you're probably going to watch the UFC, but to do it earlier makes a lot of sense. In my opinion, if you've never watched a metamorph show, I, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. So as I said, the UFC on, Saturday is a very good card. A card that is completely flying under the radar, by the way. I mean, there's not a lot of talk about this card outside of the main event. Bobby Green is back. Coming off a huge win, the biggest win of his career over Josh Thompson. Bobby Green is back in action. And he's fighting Edson Barbosa, which I was somewhat surprised by the, the booking there because he was supposed to fight, of course, Bobby Green was supposed to fight Donald Cerrone at UFC 178, but then there was that whole shuffle with Eddie Alvarez coming in. It's a big fight, but I don't know. Maybe I was expecting someone on a little more of a roll. Still a great test. Still a fun fight on paper, so no real problems with it. Brad Pickett returning against Chico Camus, which I think is a very interesting fight. Uh, Jared Rochalt, who's looked very solid. Not the flashiest of heavyweights, but you need some prospects there with the big boys. Benavidez-Ortiz is an amazing fight at 125. I like it very much, and, and a big step up for Dustin Ortiz. Isaac Valley Flag versus Matt Wyman, who, as I mentioned, I've been trying to get on this show for many, many mon- months, maybe even years. He was on the show a long time ago, before his last fight, but he's kind of flown under the radar. No Twitter, wife in his corner, no manager. And then one of the fights I'm also looking forward to is longtime veteran Eve Edwards returning. And this is, a, this is a big one for him against Akbar Ariola. And we have Eve on the phone right now joining us from Austin. Eve, are you there? I'm right here. How are you doing, Ariel? I'm doing great. So what happened to the Skype? I don't know. It was, um, it was a problem connected to Dustin's also. So I don't know what's going on over here. It's all good. Good to hear from you. We appreciate you stopping by. Um, so as I mentioned, this is a pretty important fight for you. Uh, you're, you're on that skid, the four-fight skid. Do you feel like it's do or die at this point for you in the UFC if, if, if you don't win this fight? Yeah, most definitely. But um, 
it's one of those things I like. Uh, like you think about that beforehand and think about it right now. But when it's time to fight, like all of that goes out of the window. It's just just time to perform at that point. So, um, you know, I try to I try to live every day like it's a day to fight and and just prepare every day as best I can. I've been training. I've been down at ATT and I'm um, getting in some good works with a really good guy. So. I feel good about it, man. Um, I'm not going to worry about about the past. Um, just look forward to the future and see where it goes. And you live in Austin, right? Yes, I do. So, are you are you expecting a lot of friends and family on Saturday? This is uh, this is a home game for you. Yeah, it is. Um, and I've, I've gotten a lot of a lot of feedback from from my friends and from teammates and, and training partners here. You know, a lot of people are going to be there, and I definitely don't want to disappoint them. You know. Um, I don't want to disappoint myself. So if I let me down, I let them down. So I'm 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 not looking looking to let that happen. And so so you know I know you said you want to you know focus on the future, and I respect that. But do you have a theory in mind as to why you know it's been it's been rough for you as of late? Do you, do you have you been able to pinpoint the the reasons behind the skid? Yeah, I I, I think I have. Um, I think that I. I <laughs> it's hard to put into words, but I guess the easiest way to say it is I think I wasn't respecting the game the way it should be respected, you know? Mm. Um taking taking time away from 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 getting better all the time, um, just being a little bit lazy in in, in, in the quote unquote off season, um, you know, and, and not constantly improving, not constantly trying to get better. Whether it's just getting better at things that I already do or know what's going on or or, or, or putting adding something new to the arsenal. Um, I think I wasn't. I just feel like I wasn't respecting the game and, and treating it right. Um, getting out of shape and coming into camp, getting just just finally being in shape when it's time to fight, rather than coming into camp in shape and and, and get prepared for a fight. You know, I was trying to get in shape and and, and lose weight rather than 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 come in and and get better at fighting. So you last fought in June. Um, more to that point, I mean, how long did you actually quote unquote train for this particular fight? Uh, when the when fight card in Austin was announced, I, I asked to get on that card right away and I got feedback pretty soon. So I feel, I, I don't know the exact date, but I've been training for this particular fight since like early September. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've been, I, I, and I, like, I've been really, really working hard for this one. Um, and I feel like I got in shape before I got to camp. So, so that was, um, that was better for me. And, and, and I think it's one of those things where uh, when you do the right thing, then you realize what you were doing wrong. So I think that's that's why I think I know what I've what I've been doing wrong in the, in the past up up until this point for the past year and a half. You've been doing this for almost twenty years now. It's it's amazing. You're 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 thirty eight years old. You've been doing this since nineteen ninety seven. Do you still feel that same fire that you did when you were a youngster? I think. That that was a part of the problem in the past, you know, um, just kind of being comfortable where I was at, and 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 not um, not having that burning desire to get better. Um, there's there's I realize now, especially the kind of shape that I'm in, kind of success I've been having in camp. Um, I realize now when you're when you're at that point, you you want those challenges. I think I was trying to avoid challenges. You know what I mean? Um, I was. It wasn't like I was going to the gym and looking, just looking for the guys that I can crush and trying to crush them. I think just in the, in the off, in the downtime, I was I was not doing things that that would help me get better. You know, um, I was content to, you know, not run 
when I don't have anything on the table. I don't have anything to do. I'm not getting ready for a flight. There's no reason for me to go out and run in this heat or whatever. There's no reason for me to wake up early and get a run in because it's so hot in the afternoon in Texas or whatever it was. Just those little things. Uh, I think, like, when I started to get in shape and get into a better place, it was like I wanted those challenges. I wanted those things. And um, and when I was headed back down to Florida to get ready, um, I was like, you know, Dustin just fought a, a good southpaw. Um, Robbie's getting ready for a southpaw. I'm fighting a southpaw. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what I can do. I'm gonna do whatever I can do to get some rounds in with those guys, you know. And um, getting rounds in with those guys, it was, it was really good. It was, um, it was one of those things where it was like, this is the kind of, this is the kind of thing that makes me want the challenge. Makes me, I want to try and win rounds with Robbie. I want to try and win rounds with Dustin. And um, and that kind of, kind of motivated me more, you know, because you're going in there and and. You're you're without the malice that goes with it. Um, I'm getting in a fight every day. You know what I mean. So it's one of those things that 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 kind of pumped me up, got me a little more motivated, um, and 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 I realized what what was missing from from my from my fight diet basically. When when you first started this almost 20 years ago, this journey, and I know you know some people don't even look a week ahead, let alone 20 years ahead. Did you really think that you'd still be a fighter almost at the age of 40? Was that part of the plan? I don't think when I started, I made a plan as far as when it was going to be over. Um, I think my plan was to die fighting. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's it's one of those things. I don't I don't <clears throat> I don't ever want this to end. Ultimately, you know what I mean? Uh, but like as I get older now, I know there's going to be a point. I look at my dad. I like my, my I still feel like I'm my dad's son. My stepdad is my dad now. My real dad I died when I was a kid. But I I, <clears throat> I look at my dad and I'm like. You know, he to me he still looks like the same guy he did when I was fifteen when I met him. But um he's not, you know, he's in his he's what, he's probably fifty something now. And um it's like I can't I'm gonna be that guy at some point and I'm gonna be watching fights on T V and and I'm gonna be like, Man, I remember when I used to do that or I wish I could still do that, you know, and at that point I won't be able to. So it's one of those things now I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm just going to, to, to do it as much as I can and do it as, as well as I can so that when I can't do it anymore, um, I, I, I'm satisfied with, with what's done, you know, at that point. But I, I didn't look, look forward and think I'll be doing this at 38, but like at 38, I'm looking forward and I'm like, I don't feel like I'm 38. So, um, you know, things go well. I may, I may stick around for a while. I might be like a lightweight Dan Henderson if I, huh. if I, if I do things right. Is it is it UFC or bust for you, or you know if things don't work out, are, are you willing to you know we've seen guys go you know well into their forties, but outside of the UFC, mm-hmm. the regional scene, and sometimes that's that's honestly not for the best. How do you feel about that? I don't think I would want to fight anywhere else. I fought virtually everywhere. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of newer promotions now that that are doing well. You know, World Series is doing well. Bellator is doing better. You know, there's some some good promotions out there. But um, UFC is still the pinnacle of the sport, and um, it, at 38, I'm not going to to go and rack up some wins somewhere else and come back. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I guess it's possible, but it's not uh, a very realistic reality. So um, it's one of those things where I think if I'm done with the UFC, I'm done. You know, I I I, I, I if I leave something behind, I, I'm gonna leave. I'm going to leave as a UFC fighter and be done because when I started this, that, you know, the reason why I started fighting was 
um, I wanted to be in the UFC someday. Back when I started fighting, there were two weight classes. Heavyweight was above 205, was above 200, and lightweight was under 200, you know? Mm. And, um, and that's, that's what I wanted. I wanted to fight in the UFC. And um, I, so when, when I'm done, when I'm done with the UFC, I'm completely done. I don't think I can, I can do this anywhere else. Most databases uh, state that you have uh, 65 fights under your belt. Is that accurate, or are there some that we've missed along the way? Because I feel like with a lot of guys from your era, you had some fights before we were we were monitoring these. Yeah, there, there, that, that's not accurate. I, I, I don't know how many fights I have, uh-huh. but <laughs> there's, I put a highlight video on YouTube a couple of years ago. It was the first highlight video I ever made. I made it when I was in college. I think I was like 20, maybe 21. Um, with two VCRs and a, and, a, and, a, and a tape deck trying to time the video and then the music and everything else. But not a single one of those fights is on my record. Oh, <laughs> you wow. know what I mean? And um, some of them were in a gym, some of them were amateur, but some of them were pro. And um, not, none of the fights that are on that tape are on my record. And I'm back, I have had a bunch of fights around that time that, you know, that were professional that don't show up on any database anywhere and not on my record. So I really don't know. I have somewhere between... 75 and 90 fights, but who knows? What, what was the most fun of your entire career, the pinnacle of it all, in your opinion? <laughs> oh, man, I, <laughs> I, I, it's really hard to say because it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a journey, man. Um, I like all, all of my, like I, I <laughs> people ask me all the time and I don't know anybody that does, that's not, that I don't know through fighting. All of my best friends are fighters and, and I mean, I have so many, so many different events that, that were like really big for me. It was, it was big for me. Um, one of the big fights or, or one of the most enjoyable fights was beating Josh Thompson, you know, but um, another thing that I enjoyed a lot was being there when Mike Brown won his world title. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, well, another thing was like being in Dallas when Robbie fought Johnny, you know, I was so, he was so close and, and, and I like, it's like, that's why I want to be there the next time. Cause you know, I know that's going to turn out a different way. You know, it's like, it's like, it's just being, just, this has been a journey, man. I couldn't tell you any one moment that was the best, but uh, <laughs> like I truly love the guys that I've trained with over these years, and 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 the experiences that we've had, and 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 those things are probably the best. Those things are never going to leave me, man. If I if I lose my mind, those are things that I that I hope I never forget. I think that says a lot about you that you would think of that first as opposed to your own personal, uh, you know, moments and highlights and and things like that. Uh, what are you expecting to see from Ariola on Saturday? Um, I just expect to see a guy that's not going to quit. You know what I mean? Um, the guy's tough. I watched a bunch of his fights, um, the fights where he lost, even the fight he got dominated with Jaime Torres, you know, he, it was not like he, he was quitting. He was trying to win the whole time. So that's what I expect from him. I expect to dominate. I expect to be faster, um, stronger, um, technically more sound, uh, in every aspect of the fight. But I expect the guy not quit and, and, and try to win whether it goes 15 minutes and he's been beaten up for 14 and a half. He's still trying to win the last 30. You know, but I, I, that's what I expect out of him. But, but I expect out of me to be the guy to, to, to push, to push him. And, you know, if he's not going to break, he's going to bend a lot. And will you do the typical fight week stuff or are you just going to stay at home? I would love to stay at home, but I was told that I have to, um, I have to to stay, stay at the, at the hotel, but, um, I don't live very far. So, you know, if nobody's watching, I might sneak out past curfew and come sleep in my bed. Why, why do you have to stay there? Just so they can uh, keep tabs on you? Um, I'm sure it has to do with, uh, with the scheduling and things they have planned. Um, so I'll be back and forth between, between there and my home, um, my house. But 
Um, if I don't have to stay, I, I will try not to. But I think it just has to do with scheduling and things things they have planned for us to do. Um, so I think that's all it is. By the way, you mentioned the Josh Thompson fight, which is one of the greatest highlights and, and finishes in UFC history. How often do people talk to you about that? It's 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 one of the things that most people remember. You know, um, a lot of people still 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 get that fight um, that finish. A lot of props and a lot of love and. Um, that's cool, and it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, it, it means a lot to me because of what the fight meant at the time, um, knowing that Josh and I going into that fight were the best guys at, the point, at that point, and, um, and to, to have a finish like that over a guy like that, you know. So, so when, when people, people see me, a lot of times when I meet someone and they're a fight fan, that's one of the first things they remember. They bring that up, and then the Edson Berto thing comes up pretty close behind that, but... Uh, a lot of people do bring it up, and it's it's cool that it you know it stood the test of time to this point, and hopefully it stays that way. I haven't seen the uh, the Bob O'Reilly video, which it was always featured in. I haven't seen it in a while, believe it or not. Even though I'm at all these events, I'm hardly ever in the arena. Have you seen it recently? Is it still in there? Because it was a big part of that video for a long time. Yeah, the last time I saw it was uh, San Antonio with Cub Swanson and, and Jeremy Stevens, and it was in it on that event. And then uh, Mike Brown was talking to Dustin a few days ago, and was telling Dustin that he's he's in the video, and um, and that that my that that the Josh Thompson um, my knockout of Josh is still in the video. So it's it's hopefully it you know it stays there. Hopefully nobody nobody can 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 bring something up that the top seller though i guess i guess won't be a but it'll take a couple of guys because that video is quite a bit but hopefully like there's not so much out there that that it gets pushed to the bottom of the pile um hopefully it stays as one of the greatest knockouts of the, of the game but um you know as long as i'm in it i'm gonna try to make another one get on get get more footage of me on that video well, uh, Eve, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I, I, I thank you for everything that you've done in this sport. I'm not saying this is goodbye, but I really wanted to have you on you know, at this juncture of your career because I know this is a big fight for you, and you've always been very kind to me and you know, uh, open and, 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 and very willing to give your time. So I wish you the best of luck. I know it's a very important one for you on Saturday. We'll be watching you versus Akbar Ariola, and as I mentioned, a great card in Austin. So wish you the best of luck. Go out there, do your thing, and appreciate you stopping by very much. Anytime, Ariel. I appreciate that, man. And thank you so much for all you've done for the game and 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 for me and and for my friends and teammates, man. Thank you so much. And and you know, pay attention on Saturday. I don't, I don't think you'll be disappointed. And um, you know, maybe I'll look like I'm 35 again. Yes, can't wait. All the best. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right, there he is, Eve Edwards, stopping by. A very big fight for him on Saturday night. All right, let's move along. You know, uh, this is this is a big one for us. A lot of you didn't think it was going to happen, but it is happening right now. Let's go to the phone line and welcome in the one and only, the man who will be facing Anderson Silva on January 31st in Las Vegas. Our good friend Nick Diaz joins us right now, which seems somewhat surreal to even say. Nick, are you there? Hey, how you doing? Hey Nick, it's uh it's been a while since we've talked and you know I got to say a lot of people this you know we've been doing this show for over 4 years and you're the number one most requested guest you've never been on the show before so I can't thank you enough for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Oh no problem. How's everything? How's life? Um it's uh, it's you know I'm, I'm getting through. Getting through here. You're surviving. Oh yeah. Uh, you're in Las Vegas for this big press conference. All the stars are out. Are, are you? Uh, I know typically this isn't uh, the, the most fun part of the job for you, but do you recognize what, what a big deal this is? We're very close to the fight now. Are, are, you, are you happy to be there and, and take part in something like this? Uh, yeah, 
sure. I don't really know what's going on yet. I mean, as far as today, um, that's what you mean. But, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, um, things seem to be going well. So, good about everything. Has training camp for, I kind of even regret starting it this way because I feel like you're always training, but has it officially started for Anderson Silva, even though we're still around three months away? Sure, yeah. I, uh, I'm up here in Vegas right now, so, I mean, I knew I was going to be out this way, so I did, you know, I did a, I did a hard couple of, uh, a couple of weeks, pretty much this whole last month here, pretty good. Um, you know, just uh, getting in shape and stuff. And um, yeah, now you know, I kind of had a few little small, small injuries—not no real injuries, but just like you know, just a little banged up from uh, from training. So I'm having a nice, easy week. Um, on account of me being out here and uh, good timing, I think too. So. You know, the last time I last time I did an interview with you, you know, on camera or like this was uh, after the George St. Pierre fight. And, you know, you said you were done and you, you truly stayed true to your word, except you said, if I could get a George fight again or Anderson. And that was almost, you know, two years ago now. W- would you have been content just never fighting again if you couldn't get one of those fights? Were you at peace with that decision? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, these are big, these are big fights. And... Um... You know, it's hard to it's hard to look back and, and think, oh wow, I could have done this fight or that fight. I didn't do it. Um, I look back and, and and think about why did I take one of these, um, you know, um, mediocre level opponents or fights or or something like that. And I can see myself going, you know, why, you know, I didn't need to, I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to go there. Um, it was, you know, it's just, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fanatical or in love with being an MMA fighter. Sure. Um, I just, it's, it's, you know, I'm the right guy for the job nowadays. Um, uh, you know, pretty much after my first couple of pro fights, I wound up being the right guy for the job. So that's why I'm still here. And, um, you know, I'll fight the right fights if, um, if I have the right opportunity. I've heard you say uh, I've heard you say countless times that you don't get excited about fighting. This is not something that you know that you truly uh, you know wake up and say, "Ooh, I get to be in a cage fight." But is there anything about MMA fighting that you missed in your time off? Anything at all? Yeah, no, I get excited about a lot of things. Um, you know, getting in good shape, and uh, for the most part, I'm excited to you know uh, be done and go back and sign to my check. <laughs> Uh, really, but like, that's exciting to me. But um, as far as getting out there and fighting, there's a, a few things that, uh, you know, not so much now, but come closer to the fight, I usually, you get down to this, uh, you get down to this, um, uh, like, level of curiosity where you're wondering what the, you know, what did I, what did I, you know, what did I not cover, what did I not do? You're all figured out or something, so you're just, you know, you're like, what is, uh, you know, what, well, I, I pretty much go through every scenario in my head, so I'm going like, what is it exactly that is going to happen out there? So now I feel like, you know, I want to know, but I don't really call that an exciting thing. I don't really like that. 
exciting is more like, for me, I'm more like, okay, you know, uh, tomorrow's Christmas. Uh, what's, you know, what's, what am I getting for Christmas in the morning? Right. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's an exciting thing. That's like, you know, kind of a, a happy thing. I'm not, it's, it's more of like, okay, we're going to see what's what. Um, Speaking yeah, speaking of being happy, are, are you happy with the deal that you got from the UFC to take this fight? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. They, you know, I was. That's why I signed the deal. I mean, I wasn't gonna walk out of there, um, you know, with something I wasn't happy with. So I just, you know, it. It, um, it just, you know, pretty much. I was able to score a score a deal. I I can't refuse. It's just it's how I look at it. Anderson hasn't fought for a while, coming off a devastating injury. Do you think he will look the same, or do you think this will change him as a fighter? Are you expecting someone different than the one we've seen so many times before? Right. I don't know. I always expect the worst. So the worst meaning the best Anderson. Worst for me, and the best for him. Right. So yeah, or the best for my opponent. You know, she's pretty much really uh, pessimistic, I guess. Say when it comes to my outlook on how things are going to go. I don't like to, I don't like surprises and, um, I don't like to, um, yeah, I, I just, I just don't like to be, uh, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, it's not my thing to let myself down. So I don't really work myself up too much. You know, I just do what I have to do to win. And I'm not trying to put myself into believing I'm something that I'm not out there. So, you know, it's just a hard feel, I guess. Um, I don't know if you heard this recently. George St. Pierre told Chael Sonnen in his podcast that he was surprised you took the fight at 185, that that might be a disadvantage. Yeah, you know what? The thing, is, uh, the thing is about old George, he's not doing the fight, okay? So he didn't, he didn't take the fight. He barely said two, two things and he'd get the fight, just like that. But he don't want to fight. He's scared to do the fight, and he's scared to do the fight at 185 pounds, and he thinks we have so much in common that maybe I don't want to fight. Either. How does he know? Who knows? Maybe I have a harder time making weight than old George does. I come in there skinny as shit. George packs on like, uh, you know, extra 20 pounds of muscle. I'm like, that's what I have to do to fight at 185 pounds. So you can look at it like uh, however you want. But the thing is, is the fact is, I'm like, you don't really take it into consideration um, what's what when it comes to what's really going this uh you know, not not that he's not going to, but he don't have to show up on way. It doesn't mean that I'm not in a fight. But what what uh, the fact is that we're both gonna walk out there and I'm gonna be a lot smaller if I try to make the catch weight and my opponent decides he you know, does just doesn't want to make weight. Now then I actually have a real issue to deal with. And that's that's you know that's a real physical possibility. That's what you know, I'm not Con, uh, concerned about who, who gets fined a little, little small, little 10% or whatever, oh, because you didn't make weight or something. Um, you know, as far as I know, Anderson Silva, he's always made weight. What's one time you don't make weight? Uh, you know, there, it's just the fact is, is that, you know, uh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about until you're actually the guy in the, in the driver's seat. So, you know, one, you know, you can, you can fuck around your mouth or, you know, uh, you can beat the ball and and um, you know and and, and do what you got to do. So that's that's me. That's that's where I'm at. But um, I don't know. I think you know. I don't. I don't. 
I don't go ahead and give my opinion on what I think fighters should have done or would have done. I'm like, because I'm not, I'm not them. I don't know. You don't know. You don't know what's what. You don't know all the details of what's what. But, uh, you know, he's going to have things to say. He can say what he wants to say. Did you ask for it to be closer to 170 or did you not care at all? Nope. I didn't say a word. I said, hey, look, you know, um, it's not like um, I'm not going to have to lose weight to make 185 pounds. It's not, you know, it's not a It's not going to be, it's not something I'm overly concerned about, especially in this fight, I think, because, you know, my opponent is not, you know, one of these big, strong guys um, who, who like to, you know, get through a fight by being strong, you know, so it's not, that really doesn't really come into play. Um, you know, I, we, and the reach, you, you could say, okay, uh, reach may come into play, but neither of us are getting any taller or shorter before the fight, so it's kind of, there's nothing I can really do about uh, uh, size when it comes to fight other than, you know, just come in strong and healthy um, as, as I can. So, you know, I mean, I feel good, though. You know, uh, speaking of GSP, a lot has happened since both of you last fought as far as drug testing is concerned. You've been one of those guys who's talked about this at length. Um, are you happy? Did they finally get him for steroids? No, no. He actually... Um, <laughs> he, he's actually... He, he said that he wouldn't return unless there were changes in the steroid policy, the drug testing policy. So I'll, I'll ask you a two-parter. Right. Are you surprised, considering what you've said about him in the past, are you surprised that he has taken that stance? And are you happy with Sounds some of the like changing? The changes. Sounds like old Lance Armstrong. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I don't know. I don't really put too much thought into it. Um, I don't even. I didn't really understand your question. Well, I was. Are you happy with some of the changes? They're doing a lot more random drug testing these days. A lot has changed since you fought. Are yeah, you... no, I like that. That's that's good. I think you know maybe we should be doing some drug testing like that. That's that's, that's good. You know, I kind of disappoint a lot of people who like to uh, are into <laughs> most fighters for the most part that like to do steroids. But, you know, so that's too bad for them. But, um, and, you know, I'm not, either way, it's fine for me. I look at it like there's ups and downs for, for fighters who are doing a lot of steroids. You know, I think it's a, I look at my career like a long-term, um, a long-term sort of, well, you know, I just, martial arts, when I do martial arts, it's more of a, you know, it's more of a, you know, a life, type of training, you know, martial arts. Just, I do that for, for myself in general, so I'm not, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to go there with the, needing extra help and doing all that. You know, I just, I just try to be as healthy as I can. You know, and it's, just not my, it's not my thing really to be on steroids. So you have different types of fighters, I guess you could say. As I said uh, at the top, well, you know, oh, go ahead. Types of, types of athletes. I think stylistically, right. though, you know, they, these guys, they just throw it. They're, you know, they're, they're just a different crew, um, for, you know, a lot of time. You know, Nick, as I said at the top, you were the most requested guest by far we've ever had in the show. And when I announced that you were coming on the show, people lost their minds. And, 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 I, and I'm wondering, I want to ask you about this, because following you on Instagram, for example, you get to see a much different side of you, your sense of humor, uh, you know, things that you post. It's, it's, it's a lot different than the Nick Diaz that we may know from promotional videos or pre-fight interviews and whatnot. At this stage in your career, and you've been fighting for so long and been in the limelight for so long, do you still feel like people don't really know who Nick Diaz is, that they don't really understand what you're all about and, you know, your 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 mindset and just the kind of person that you are? Do you still get that impression? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, 
um, for the most part, not everybody's going to sit down and watch every prime time and listen to every interview. And, and they do, you know, a uh, majority of my stuff's pretty, pretty, pretty much, um, you know, a lot of stuff's from a long time ago. There's a different outlook on a lot of things. So, you know, people are going to make their, make their case or whatever that I'm, you know, this, uh, this scumbag, but just the way it is, something I just have to deal with nowadays, but I think that, um, you know, real fans, they're, 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 they're pretty, uh, they're pretty down to earth, you know? So a lot of these guys, that's why a lot of MMA fans are pretty down to earth and open-minded. That's, you know, how they got into the sport in the first place. So, um, you know, things work themselves out. Why do you think they like you so much? Why do you, why, why do you feel like you're still one of the most popular guys in the UFC? And uh, a lot of us in the media said the UFC almost needed you more than you needed them at this point because some of those stars were moving on and, and you're still one of those big draws even now in your career. I think uh, a lot of times stylistically, you know, um, when it comes to like maybe when it comes to like boxing and, and jiu-jitsu, um, I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And I have been before a lot of Americans, before, uh, before a lot of Americans in general, and then a lot of American uh, MMA fighters as well. And uh, I think I got my, my black belt from a pretty legitimate source. So um, I just think that stylistically that people can relate to um, what they see out there. And... Um, Initially, I uh, I started fighting like way back two thousand twos and threes and and um, so I'm still in it because I've had to work to evolve and um, make changes and and get better. And a lot of people don't have um, the time in life to put themselves through that, so. You know, I just end up. I mean, I mean, you just we we just we get what we get now. Um, after uh, fifteen, sixteen years of fighting, it's just people like like what they see. And um, yeah, I mean, I've I've never had it. I've never had a year off. I've got a year off now, so it's been a good learn, learning experience. But ever since then, um, and it, it, you know, it, it is a learning. It's just like you know, when, when you've never had a year off of fighting somebody every three months, then you don't really know what that's like. So it's, um, you know, it's been a good experience. But I think that, uh, you know, after that many fights, and then, you know, I fought all the best guys. I was supposed to lose every fight that I fought. So, um... What, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, for the most part, except for maybe some of the time I was in Elite XC fighting, um, maybe one or, one or two fights here and there that they had me favored to win. But for the most part, um, I've walked out as like an under an underdog, or you know, oh, I'm not a kickboxer, so I'm a loser kickboxer. I'm not a wrestler, my wrestling sucks. I'm a loser wrestler, or you know. So I always have a, or you know, I'm fighting somebody twice my age, a long time ago. So you know, I've always been kind of uh, not favored to win. But I, you know, I wound up with a good. I mean a decent performance out there or, or, you know, pulled it off or, or, you know, so people like, people like to see a real, real, real fight, you know, 
fight to win. You know, Nick, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is one of your first interviews in, in a while, and I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on. And we'll let you go in just a, a couple minutes. Um, but I was wondering if you can comment at all on uh, the DUI stuff that happened, uh, you know, just a few weeks back. Is there anything that you can share, shed some light on it at all? Um, no, you know, it's pretty much, there's, a, there's really a lot to it, so I'd rather not, um, really not talk about it, you know. Okay, but it, it won't stop you from fighting on January 31st, right? Oh, no, no, yeah. It's honestly really not, um, it, you know, it's just really not something that, um, I feel like it's important to talk about. Fair enough. What about your boy, uh, Joe Schilling on Saturday? Did you see that? Uh, yeah, sure did. He looked great. Yeah, that was, that was, that was real good. Um, you know, we're work, work with him a little bit on his MMA stuff, but we've been, I've been doing a lot of sparring with that guy for a few years now. I'm from my last couple fights. Um, I had him out doing a lot of, a lot of hard sparring with that guy. So, um, he's a good friend of mine. You know, it's great to, uh, be able to, you know, um, try and help him out a little bit. He uh, he ran into some, you know he was out for training he was going to spend a lot of time training out with out with me before this fight and then um, you know he ran up with a few family issues he had to take care of so I was I was a little worried but he 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 uh, he went out there and looked real, real good so I was you know we're, we're happy for him. Some might say Nick and we'll end on this. Some might say that the Anderson Silva fight is one of the biggest in your career which obviously says a lot would you consider a win over him considering his resume would you consider that the greatest moment of your fighting career well i'm sorry tell me again would you consider uh, beating uh, anderson silva the greatest moment of your fighting career no i i maybe if i someone i'm get back signed for the biggest check i ever, ever signed for that's 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 maybe that maybe that'd be a great thing you know you know, too. You know, too bad for him. Too bad for me if we don't do well. But uh, yeah, I'll be happy to. Uh, I'll, have, I'll be happy with hard work. Work pays off um, in in whatever way, in whatever way it does. So. Well, it's great to have you back, Nick. Did you miss me? Oh, you know it. I I was like, I thought we were gonna get a glide this morning. Yeah, why well, don't you, you know that way? I was gonna get any crazy questions from you out of left field. But it was I didn't okay, get right? Glide for you this morning. What do you mean? You didn't glide, glide me. Glide. I've been not working. Yes, I did. Check your glide. Check your glide. I got I nothing. You last night. You you you've. I you... glide you last night. You missed. Really? Because yeah. we we had a good thing going with the glides, and then I felt like you kind of you you kind of left me hanging oh, there for I a second. I felt like you avoided my glide this morning. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a mistake. It must be the new phone that I got. Was it anything? Should I play it right, right. now, or was, yes. should should I leave it alone? No, it's fine. It's a, you know, it's over. It's, it's fine. If you have seen it already, then. But no, we're we're good. This it's fine. I understand. If you're not gonna check my glides. No, I'm, I look when I see that 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 notification that Nick Diaz has glided me. It's it's like Christmas. You talk about getting excited. It's like Christmas. And then when your brother comes in, right. I mean, it's this. These are exciting things, right? These are exciting things. Yeah, this is where things become exciting. For me. Don't be a stranger, you know. You can come back. Did you did you enjoy the experience on the show? Will you come back? Right. Okay. You will come back. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Nick, appreciate it. All the best. <laughs> okay, there he is, Nick Diaz stopping by. Um I didn't get his glide. I'll have to check. Is it there? Hmm. I don't see anything. Interesting. 
maybe I'm not looking at it correctly. In any event, thank you very much to him. He'll be at the press conference later today. It's UFC 183, January 31st, Las Vegas, Nevada, Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz. One of the biggest fights in UFC history. That is not an overstatement in my opinion. Another man who will be at the press conference later this afternoon. This fight was just announced. Alexander Gustafsson versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. Main event on Fox in Sweden, 30,000 seat arena. And that is January 24th. And right now, one of the top contenders in the light heavyweight division, Anthony Johnson, joins us on the phone from Las Vegas. Anthony, are you there? What up, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Do you use Glide, by the way? No. Oh, man, you're missing <laughs> out. You're missing out. Uh, it's, it's a great little app. Uh, anyhow, uh, congratulations on getting the fight. Um, and you're in Las Vegas now for the press conference, right? Yes, I am. Is this, is this you know, I know it hasn't happened yet and it's, it's fairly new, but is this bigger than anything you've done in your career? Do you, do you sense that already? I mean, this is the second biggest show in UFC history, numbers-wise, but how about for you? Does it feel like bigger than anything you've ever been a part of? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess I have to wait until that moment comes, you know what I mean? So far, you know, the biggest moment has been when I came back into the UFC and defeated uh, Phil. So hopefully I get that same feeling when I fight Gus. What happened to your voice? Are you sick? Yeah, man, I got a little cold. The weather keeps changing around here. And they made you fly out to Vegas fun. with a cold? One day, yeah, one day it's hot in Florida, and next, next day it's cold. It's, it's, the weather's crazy right now. Uh, well, okay, so I appreciate you uh, you stopping by uh, even more so now. Um, you know, you know, we, we have to be uh, to be open. It was it was a point where we didn't think that you might get this fight. They were talking to your teammate Rashad. Were you ever nervous because of the suspension that you might not actually get the fight that you wanted? You wanted this fight for a while. Um, no, I wasn't nervous. I was just going to let everything, you know, uh, run its course. Really, you know, where I was at the point where. You know, I was at whatever happens, happens, and, um, you know, if Rashad would, would get the fight, I was going to be there to help him train and, and get ready for Gus and support him. So, obviously, you're cleared, everything's good, but to even be associated with something like that, was this, how difficult was this period for you? Because you had that suspended indefinitely label on you and, and all that stuff. You had to go through a process. Uh, personally, how difficult was it? It was, it was, it was, uh, depressing really you know um it made me uh learn who who to, who to trust and who my real friends were you know what i mean and uh, you know it's over with and life goes on and i still have a strong support system the fans have been great my family is stuck beside me my teammates didn't turn their back on me <clears throat> you know and so i'm blessed and and i'm happy that i'm still here did the you know to me uh, just reading it the uh, the thing was like wow you 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 feel like a different person even talking to you and knowing you from just a media standpoint I mean you you seem like in such a great place you were um, always a pleasure to deal with upon your return to the UFC and whatnot um, did it feel like wow I finally got to this point I worked my way all the way back and for whatever reason it's being taken away from me was that the hardest part to stomach in all of this Yeah. It really was, you know, working so hard, like you said, and, and getting back to where I, I I needed to be with my career and in life. And then something like this happens, you know, it, it, it takes you for a spin, you know what I mean? But uh, 
I didn't give up on myself, and uh, I just I kept I kept the positive attitude and kept moving forward. Uh, last thing on this topic: Is there anything you can, you know, uh, say, uh, shed some light on this? Just give us your side of the story because we obviously haven't heard from you since this all came out. No, I mean, there's nothing really to say. You know, it's, it's been dismissed, and that's all that matters. You know what I mean? Um, both parties went their own way. That's just the end of the story. You know, uh, I don't have any any uh, hard feelings towards her and. And uh, like I said, man, I'm just I'm just gonna stay positive, no matter what. So uh, there's really nothing to say. What was your reaction when you got the call that it was behind you and you're getting this fight on this stage, Fox, thirty thousand seats, all that stuff? H- how did you How did you react to it? Um, I I didn't find out until you know after training. And Ryan Loco had told me he was like, "Hey, you got to fight." I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, "Gus." I was like, "For real?" And he was like, "Yeah." So I mean it was it was exciting. And then whenever I got home I actually I cried. Wow. <laughs> because, wow. Yeah, I, I cried just because, you know, with so much going on and <clears throat> me not giving up and still having faith and believing in myself and and stuff like that, you know, it was just I was emotional, man. You know, going through so much in somebody's career and then, you know, you get one of the biggest opportunities of a lifetime, right? That comes right to you. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't do anything but cry. Is that rare for you? Or are you the crying type? You don't strike me as the crying type. So is this I'm unique? Not the crying type. I mean, I'm not afraid to cry, but sure. it, you know, is is I, I barely cry. There's got to be something that really hits my heart. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, man, that was one of those moments where I was like, you know. Everything is is going back as planned. I'd imagine it must have felt like a weight lifted off your shoulder as well. Not only did you get the fight, but you can also kind of move on with your life because it came yeah, hand in that, hand, right? That's that's what it, that, I think. That's why I was really started crying. You know what I mean? I was just like, just felt like a huge, you know, amount of weight lifted off of me. So uh, I I got emotional. I mean, nobody saw it. So you know what I mean? Don't even think somebody saw it. I had to do it behind closed doors. <laughs> why? Why not? You can cry in front of others. Yeah, man. Maybe, maybe if I, you know, reach my ultimate goal of winning a title or something, then I'll cry in front of everybody. But right now, I, don't, I gotta make sure I stay strong. <laughs> uh, you also strike me as the kind of guy who appreciates this this challenge. You know, you're not just fighting him in Las Vegas or whatever. You're going his territory. I mean, you're not going to be the most well-liked guy. That's obvious. He's from Sweden, and th- that's the reason why this fight is happening there. Does that kind of thing amp you up a little bit? Does that give you a little more motivation going into enemy territory? Of course, of course. Um, <clears throat> Gus is a hell of a fighter. I have the most respect for him. You know, he's a beast. Um, you know, we're going into his hometown, you know, his country. We, I really have to be on my A game and uh, stay focused because, you know, right now I'm public enemy number one over there. Are they making you go there for any media stuff as well? Yeah, we go there, um, I think, the end of the month. Okay, wow, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know you were asking for him for a while, and, you know, he finally accepted, and then you had to deal with the, the suspension stuff, and now the fight is, is obviously on. But was it something about Gus that you, you know, were really intrigued by, or was it just the place that he holds? He's obviously number one contender. You beat well, him, you become the number one contender. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't about being number one contender. I just wanted to see, test myself and see how good I really am. You know, I, I fought Phil. I fought Nogueira. 
Um, and I think at the time it was still Comier and uh, Jones, and then um, and then uh, I think Phil and Glover had already signed, <clears throat> and Rashad was injured. You know, so obviously I'm not ever going to fight him. So to me, only person left that was in you know top five to fight was Gus. So it just to me, it made sense to 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 see if we can fight and just see who's the better fighter. You know what I mean? I just want to, like I said, I want to test myself and see how good I really am. Everybody else thinks I'm tough and good and stuff like that, but this is for me, not for anybody else. I, I want to see how tough I really am. Considering where he's at right now, would you say he's the toughest guy you will have ever fought in your career? Of course. Of course. No question about it. Even tougher than Vitor back in the day, uh, all those guys. Tougher. Tougher. Wow. And, and what concerns you most I about it? I think it would be tougher because both of us have, have evolved yeah. from what we were. Whenever I first saw him, you know, fighting the UFC to the person he is now, he is a totally, a totally a different fighter. What concerns Everybody you most about that. him? And huh? What concerns you most about him? Nothing concerns me. Nothing concerns me. Um, you know, and, and from who the fighter that I was <clears throat> two years ago when whenever I fought at you know one seventy or whatnot, and you know, I'm not that same guy that I was then either. I'm told, I'm a different fighter too. So to me, it's just I think it's just a battle of, of course, who's the better fighter and who wants it the most. You know what I mean, and uh, and who's improved the most. So I think it's going to be fun. You know, I'm sure we're going to make history. We're going to give the fans what they want to see. Um, you know, I'm ready to have a have a lot of fun with this. This might sound like a silly question, but I feel like I have to ask: Have they told you outright that if you win this fight, you're the next in line for the title? They haven't told me anything. If they have, I had, I didn't pay attention to it. That doesn't matter at this point. No, not really. I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm taking this fight just because I want to test myself. But that, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? That's what you want. The ultimate goal, of course, is to fight for the title, but that's not on my mind right now. I'm, you know, I just have to focus on guests. To me, it's, this isn't a fight for no more container. This is a fight to just, for me to see how good I am. That's it. That's all it is for me. Who do you think wins, DC or Jones? And who do you want to win? <laughs> I don't care who wins. You know, both of them are great athletes. Um, I want DC to win. You know, he's he's come a long way to get where he is, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I think if DC won, it'll definitely shake things up. I appreciate you saying that because I feel like most people would say they want Jones to win just because he's the dominant champ and they want to beat the guy who was there for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah, I never, I'm never, I never really go against the champ. And I'm not really going against John. It's just, you know, I think D.C. has the potential to beat John. And, uh, of course, like I said, if he wins, he definitely will shake up the division. I remember when we had you on the show uh, just, what was it, like six or so weeks ago, and you said that you wanted to fight. You didn't, Like, if they didn't give you Gus, that's okay. You wanted to fight in December. Um, you wanted to be as active as possible. Uh, have you, at, even though that you were on the sidelines, have you still remained active? Like, if you were fighting in December, would you have been ready to fight? Uh, no. What, what, why? Did you just take some time off? Yeah, I took time off. Just to, like I said, I was, I was depressed, man. I wasn't really doing too much. I was still positive, but I, I still had my moments. Mm. You know what I mean? Ups and downs with this whole situation I was dealing with. 
but uh, overall, I'm 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 good. <clears throat> you will be ready for the 24th of January. Of course. All right. More than ready. Well, I appreciate the time, Anthony. Thank you so much. It, it, it was really great to talk to you, and congratulations on the fight. Enjoy the press conference today, and of course, good luck on January 24th in Sweden. We'll see you out there. Thank you so much. All right, there he is, Anthony Rumble Johnson, stopping by. Uh, you know, give him props. Honest with uh, everything that's been going on, and. Uh, uh, depressed and, and, and said he had to battle some emotions. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, as far as his civil hearing was concerned, he was cleared of all charges, and uh, now his suspension is no more. He will be fighting Alexander Gustafson. That is the fight that they wanted, and this is the stage that they wanted. It's going to be taking place in an arena for MMA. It seats 30,000 people, which uh, the, the, the show in Toronto, UFC 129, did approximately 55,000 people. This will be 30, so obviously a little smaller, but nothing else in between. I mean, nothing's been bigger other than one, uh, 129 than, than 30,000 seats. So that's a big deal. Also interesting is that, you know, and, and, and I'm assuming the fighters will get used to it, so it's, it's more, in my opinion, uh, it's more of a big deal for the viewers and the media but because this is a Fox show, and that will take place between 8 and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's going to be live on Fox, it's actually going to take place, I think they are six hours ahead, so that's going to be around, you know, 3.30 a.m. by the time, you know, by the time this main event happened, maybe even a little earlier, give or take a few minutes, that's pretty intense stuff. Now, we saw that very recently. We saw that, you know, less than two weeks ago, OSP and Shogun, they walked in at around 3.45 a.m. local time in Brazil, but that's a big deal. I mean, you gotta you gotta pay attention to that stuff. It's happened before. Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson in Japan, when that big upset happened, that happened at a very weird time. I think it was early in the morning uh, Japan time, so that again, you know, air in prime time on a Saturday night here in the United States way back when. But that's that's pretty interesting stuff for a Fox show to come there. Obviously, it's a big deal. And also announced in case you missed it. Dan Henderson versus Gegard Mousasi is the co-main event. Uh, Tarek Safadine versus Matt Brown has been discussed for that card, but thus far not, uh, not made official. So we shall wait and see. Um, all right, let's move along. Let's go back to this Saturday. UFC Fight Night 57, Austin, Texas. As I mentioned, a great card on paper, top to bottom, even the prelims. But it is highlighted by a fight that we've been uh, discussing for a long time, that has been rumored for a long time, and it's a huge one at 145 pounds. It pits Cub Swanson versus the former lightweight champion, Frankie Edgar, who joins us right now on the phone. Frankie, how are you? I'm good, Ariel. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for stopping by. We are rapidly approaching this big fight. By the way, when do you go out to Texas? I'll head out tomorrow morning. All right, and you were there not too long ago. What was that like being around Cub for all that media stuff? Cub was a, he's a respectful guy, man. It was uh, you know, just business as usual. You know, no, no, uh, no love lost. Because there have been some jabs thrown between you two, and maybe even your manager getting involved, Ali. Uh, so, so no bad blood there at all? No, nah, not from my end. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean we're going to fight Saturday, so that's all that matters, really. Uh, you know, I'm sure uh, as the fight gets closer, there'll be more things shed just to, you know, get, get uh, the feathers ruffled. Has, in your mind, or I should say have, have the stakes changed at all for this fight? I mean, a fight is a fight, and it's important you want to win all of them. But I feel like... After Bermuda's lost on Saturday, this fight is way more important. And it was important to begin with. This was two versus three. But it, it feels like things are a little more wide open these days at 145. Do you get that impression as well? I mean, you just never know the, the landscape and, and what things are going to happen and who's going to say what to, to create some attention and, and uh, what Dana's thinking and Lorenzo's thinking. So uh, I just go out there and do my job and win fights and, uh, 
if I win impressively, you know, it has a way of taking care of things. And, um, you know, if I go out there and perform like I want to, you know, everything will go my way. You say uh, you don't know who's going to say what. Uh, is that a knock on our Irish friend Conor McGregor? No, I mean, no, not really. You got everybody talking, man. Yeah. All these guys are talking because, I mean, you know, he's he's kind of setting the pace for everybody. I mean, you know, Chael definitely did, but, but you know, Chael's kind of been in the sport for a while, and he did it. Conor kind of came out of nowhere and did it. People are, I think people are taking notice and seeing, seeing wow, this, this gets this gets me some attention. This gets me in the, in the forefront. So I think people are taking notice, and, and people are starting to open their mouths more, you know, and uh, that's just what it is. I'm happy you said that because I feel like he has raised everyone everyone's game at 145 in and out of the cage. Like Mendez Aldo, and who knows if this will actually, you know, this this is true. But I feel like they had the fight that they had because of his presence looming. Because everyone has stepped up a little bit. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just think people want to, you know, prove themselves to be the man and you know, kind of kind of debunk everything he's saying, you know. Um, but you know, I, I don't really get caught with stuff like that. You know, I, I kind of sit back. I I take a look at it, see how it plays out. I, I mean, you know me, I'm not. I'm gonna pay you to talk, man. If it's not <laughs> the case, I'd have your job, man. It'd be a bit bad. You got two, two mouths to feed. You know what I'm saying? So yes, I go, I go in there to fight. Hey, there wasn't, uh, there was, it wasn't all that long ago that you were doing Fox Fight Game. You, you were trying to, you know, steal my territory. I saw my eye on you. If it was gonna get yeah. a little too personal or a little too competitive, I was gonna take you out. Make no mistake about it. I tell you, I, I tell you, I did think I stuck to the fight game. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could win that battle with you, man. So you're saying when, when it's all said and done, you're not interested in the broadcasting stuff? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just, you know, keeping my focus where, where it needs to be right now. Um, one more thing on Connor. Do you find it a little weird? Like, do you think he gets a little too much uh, preferential treatment from the UFC brass? Nah, you know what? He's doing well. He's, you know, uh, they, they like him, dude. He sells, you know, numbers sell, uh, controversy sells. I mean, you know, what, uh, that, that's just, that's, I, I'm not a jealous guy. I'm not gonna hate on the kid or anything. You know, he uh, he's doing right by uh, by these guys. By uh, you know, uh, listen, people are talking about our division because of this guy. Yeah, real. Yep, you nailed it. That's 100 percent right. You know, I haven't talked to you since your win over BJ Penn in the summertime. Um, what was going through your mind in the midst of that fight? I mean, because from our perspective watching it, that did not look like BJ Penn. And, uh, of course, you fought him twice before, and, and you pretty much had his number. But just his body language, his, his demeanor, his stance, it looked like a completely different person. Did you notice that while the fight was going on or only afterwards? I didn't notice it while it's going on, definitely afterwards. You know, I... I you know, when we did our standoffs or, or, or you know, our square offs, he kind of was on his toes and stuff. I did talk about that. I'm like, is he going to come out there like this? You know, <laughs> I talked about that with, I think, one of my coaches and stuff. And, uh, but when he did, I didn't notice. I was, you know, I'm kind of always focused on what I'm doing, trying to hear my corner. I really didn't even notice it until after the fact. Um, you know, I think he did it first, second round, third round. I think it's hard to stay on your toes that long. He started coming down normal. But, uh, you know, when I saw BJ the first time, he was moving around, jumping around. Uh, you know, warming up like normal. And then the second fight, he was standing still. So I, I didn't know what to expect. But BJ, you're always going to get something different, I feel like. Did you get the satisfaction that you usually get out of any kind of win when you beat him? Because the, 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 the feeling in that arena and at the press conference, I felt like it was less about you. The, 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 the mood was, was, was very somber. It was like, wow, and like, not only is it over, but he went out like that. And no one wanted to see him go out like that. I think even... You didn't really want to see him go out. You wanted to see, you know, a tough fight, and you win, and and you, and you go out on top. Um, did you did you get that vibe as well? That it was it was it felt more like you know this 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 you know this kind of down mood as opposed to the celebration of your big win. No, I d definitely felt the same. Um, 
you know, it was it was his retirement kind of kind of party at, at, at the press conference and everything. And I was I'm cool with him. And he like he definitely deserved it. He earned it. Uh, I'm not one to be a gloater anyway, and I don't want to get too high on any, any wins and too low on any losses. I mean, that's kind of tough to do. But you know, that, that's kind of want to be even keel, you know, and look at the end game. And uh, you know, so I, I, it didn't really affect me too much. So you didn't, it never crossed your mind in the middle of the fight, like, I'm about to finish this guy. You were very, you know, you had your moments, and then, of course, you did finish him. This is kind of, you know, this is kind of a sad moment. That, that didn't go through your mind at all. That's more stuff that we think about? Yeah, and I think it's more stuff that you guys think about. I mean, you know, uh, I did kind of, I guess, I, I think I said it once, and I kind of felt bad the way it happened, you know. It was, uh, it was, it was kind of like a brutal ending, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm definitely a fan of BJ, too, but uh, it was either him or me type of thing. And so you you know you you had to take that time off in in the uh, in in the midst of your you know career at you you're at your peak and whatnot. Did you want to come back earlier or was this okay with you? It was November enough time? It was four months later. Did you ever consider coming back even sooner to make up for lost time? You know, no. Uh, I I, um, I was a little banged up before the BJ fight. Just, oh, uh, some stuff I had to take care of. You know, nothing nothing really crazy, but I just needed to rehab a little bit. So this was actually perfect timing. Have you pinpointed why Cub has looked so good as of late? He has really turned his career around. I mean, he was solid in WEC and whatnot, but never quite like this. He wasn't, I think, fighting at the level that he's fighting now. Do you have any theory as to why that is? Uh, you know, I mean, I think he's hot. Some people get on a streak. You know, it's like a team. A team gets on a streak, they're hot. That's where he's at right now. I think his confidence is, is really high. And, uh, you know, when you have a lot of confidence behind you, you the ball keeps rolling. Um, you know, I think the guys he fought, too, are, are perfect for him as well. What do you think of his boxing? I think it's good. It's uh, it's solid. I mean, you know, I think the fact what makes it really good is, is his unpredictableness. You know, and obviously he's a hard puncher, so being unpredictable and being able to hit hard that that's uh, that's tricky because you, know, you don't want to. You know, you might see an opening, but that might be what he wants. Where do you think he's better on his feet or on the ground? I think he's better on his feet. Mm-hmm. And would you prefer to take this fight on the ground? I'm gonna take it everywhere. You know, that's that's. I, I never say, or I never go into a place saying I'm gonna stand this guy or I'm gonna take him on the ground, because you never know what's gonna gonna be presented to you and uh, what's gonna what's gonna happen. But uh, you know, I'm a mixed martial artist. I can think I can any any fighter in the, in the featherweight division. I can go anywhere with, and I'm confident. Have they told you what's at stake in this fight? I know you're tight with Lorenzo and those guys. Have they said, okay, you win this fight, this happens? They haven't. They haven't told me. You know, I just. Uh, I got to not give him a choice, you know, and that, that's the best way to do it. Not give him a choice. And how, what do you mean by that? You have to do something emphatic? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I got to go out there and perform to the, to, to, and, and make it the best fight ever. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, I mean, how easier said than done. And that always doesn't work out like that. But if I do that, it's the most exciting, most emphatic, like you said, they can't deny me. Right. It's very rare for a number two versus number three fight to kind of, be sort of hanging in the air and not really know what's at stake. Do you feel like if you do that, what you're saying, that you should be the number one contender? I should be. I should be. But we don't always get what we deserve. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, we'll see. Like I said, um, I, you know, I can't focus past this fight. If I if I do that, I mean, there's, there's you know, I lose and just just all this conversation means nothing. How has it been with the new addition? It's good, man. She's great. She's uh, she's the easiest one at all three. So really, things keep moving. She is. I, that's the only one I like right now. <laughs> <laughs> How old are your other two? Five and four. Oh my! And they're causing a ruckus. 
they're just nuts. Dude, the boys, they feed I mean, you got two boys now. Yeah. Once they get a little older, man, they feed off each other. You know, alone, they're cool. Together, they're animals. Man, I got to tell you, the two-year-old is, uh, is starting to uh, cause a ruckus himself, so I can't wait for four and five. Speaking of your kids, you know, over the summer, the, uh, the ice bucket challenge, that was the, the cool thing to do, right? The ALS ice bucket challenge. You had the best one by far. You won that. If there was a competition, yeah. you won that. If anyone missed it, yeah. your kids, they didn't, they didn't necessarily throw the ice on you or dump it on you. They actually dumped the, 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 the what, what is it, the, the, the jug or whatever. It was like a Gatorade, a little mini, yeah. it was like a Gatorade bucket, a little mini Gatorade bucket. It dropped it on my head. They man. dropped it on your head, and your reaction was just amazing. Did that hurt? I mean, how pissed off were you? Because you held it in, but the video ended shortly thereafter, so we couldn't see if they got time out or anything like that. How much did it hurt? No time out, man. No, it was, it was all fun. You know, uh, I laughed it off, and I, I, I definitely, uh, I've taken worse blows than that, so I should be okay. <laughs> that is true. That's actually a very good point, because it looked like it hurt a lot. So you didn't even get mad at them at all, huh? No, no. I think they might have planned it, man. That's little, <laughs> little bastards, you know what I mean? <laughs> How many likes did that get on Instagram? Do you know? Because I feel like that, went, that thing went viral as far yeah, as the... Yeah, you know what? It was, uh, I can't say like 6,000 or something. I, got, I had over 1,000 comments. You know, it was funny. That's great. Great kids. Will they be there? Are they going to the fight? Are they at that age where they understand? <laughs> they won't, but this is actually the first time where they're really asking to go. So, uh, wow. you know, next time they might have to come out. Yeah. So they finally, they finally get what you do for a living? Yeah, they, they do. They do. Um, you know, I don't think they have a hundred percent grasp on it, but they, they're starting to starting to come around. Do they watch your fights live? Not live. They haven't watched it live. They they watch the recaps, you know, or like the next day or so, or so. Do you do you do that on purpose, just in case you like you don't want them to see anything, or is it just because they're too young? Uh just they're in bed usually. You oh know, yeah. My mother-in-law watches. They're usually in bed. What if the uh, the little one, the girl, says to you, "I want to be an MMA fighter one day"? Would you be okay with that? Oh uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. You know. um... You know, you see what these girls are doing now, and obviously they're athletes just like any other type of athlete. So uh, I like to say yes, but it is my little girl, you know. And when you have boys, you kind of look at them for, for that for that role, if that's what they want to do. My girl, I'm trying to, you know, it's my little baby right now. So yeah. that's a tough answer, uh, question to answer. Yeah, good luck with that. How about this? The, the answer can't answer a question. That's, uh, hey, look at that. That's, <laughs> that's what happens when you're on the air with Ariel 1. <laughs> this is a first for everything. What about the boys? Would you be okay with them if they fall in your footsteps wrestling, all that stuff? I would. I would if uh, only if they, they, they did it you know, 100% and took themselves seriously. You know, um, this is, And they have to want to do it, not for me, for themselves. This isn't a sport along with wrestling, even jiu-jitsu, that you, you can't do this sport you know, competitively unless you want to do it. I, I feel like maybe your wife would say something different. Yeah, she might be sick of coming to these fights, you know, and having her, her stress levels through the roof. I love Frankie fights because you always travel like 50 deep. Is it the same this time around? Always, yeah. I got the crew. The Jersey crew will be there, man, screaming. And uh, it's fun, man. It's, uh, it became a kind of a, a tradition. Yeah, like a, a good family bonding outing. Okay, so tell us, how do you envision? Are you the kind of guy that sleeps and, and thinks about how the fight will play out? And if so, what are you seeing right now? Yeah, I'm not that type of guy. You know, I'm ready for everything. Uh, you know, like, uh, we don't really have game plans. You know, it's kind of like if game plan A doesn't doesn't work out, don't worry. There's, you know, how many of <laughs> letters in the alphabet for the next. So uh, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I know my, uh, I know I'm ready. That's it. I, I, I've never not been ready for a fight and no, no difference going for this one. And do you like the fact that it's five rounds as opposed to three, co-main event, whatever? Yeah, I, mean, I, I you know, I like fighting main events. You know, I mean, I want, I want to be the champion and, 
you know, that when you're the champion, you're always going to fight five round fights and main events. So this is what I want to do. I don't want to get used to anything else. You miss that gold? Do you miss having it around? I do. I do. And it's just for the, just for the fact of, you know, I want to be the best. I mean, I'm not really a, a, you know, a guy that wants attention and stuff like that, but, uh, some, you know, the perks that come with the belt are nice, but, uh, just the fact that I'm, I could say I'm the best in the world is, uh, is, is worth everything. Okay, before I let you go, Frankie, we do this segment on our show every week called Inside the Vault, where we look back at an old interview, uh, an old interview that I've done throughout you know, my short career here, and usually, or at least lately, it's been a, a timely interview, so if someone's fighting, we'll play something. This week's interview is UFC 112, Abu Dhabi, April of 2010, when I did a post-fight interview with you in Abu Dhabi in your little trailer there after you beat BJ Penn and shocked the world. And I remember walking into that trailer and your team was jumping around in a circle. Even good old Mike Straka was there dancing with you guys. It was quite the party <laughs> over there. Do you remember that? I mean, is this something when I start talking about it, do you remember what it was like, the atmosphere, the air, the open air stadium, Abu Dhabi? Do you, do you, do you remember it like it was yesterday? Absolutely, man. That's uh, the, 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 the fight I got my belt, man. How can I forget that? But it wasn't a. I mean, it was a great time. But shortly thereafter, you went to the hospital. You you were in rough shape, right? Yeah, I actually had. I fought with staff. You know, I, I probably was getting it that day before. Um, I fought with staff. Flew home. That that flight home definitely didn't help it. You know, a fifteen hour flight. Uh, I came home. I got it. I got it drained or lanced, and uh, it just didn't take. And uh, my my leg blew up, so I went up. I spent like four days in the hospital that week. Uh, where was it? On my leg. On my thigh. And, and you did you feel it in the fight? Not at all. Not oh, at all. You didn't? No, no. I mean, I felt it beforehand. It was getting a little tender. Kind of early, you know. Uh, they, they had the Abu Dhabi trials or detourment that week. I saw so many two guys training on the match we were training on. I think that's how I got it that week. Oh, but were you actually rolling? Well, you know, just doing my run-through. Okay. I, you know, I always work out pretty pretty hard, you know, the week of the fight, you know. uh you know, not not like live training, but uh, definitely a run through, get the heart rate up. And I was on the match that that they provide for us, and guys were coming in and out that whole week because I, I believe they had the Abu Dhabi, you know, tournament after that. And um, so there was a bunch of jiu-jitsu guys in and out that room. Is it true that they had some sort of um, uh, parade for you, and then you, you 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 couldn't attend because of the staff? No, I did. I, they did have a parade for me, and I came. It wasn't a parade. They just got a bunch of fire trucks uh, when I when I came home from the airport on, on the way home. Uh, and they, they kind of took me around town a little bit. And then you went to the hospital? And then actually the next day. The next okay. day. I, I tried, to, you know, it was the next day. Yeah. Well, that's good insight. All right, well, we'll let you go. Thank you very much, Frankie, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. Can't wait for this fight. You versus Cub Swanson. And by the way, keep up the, uh, the social media stuff. I notice you're a lot more active these days on Twitter, Q&As and whatnot. I don't know where this is coming from, but I like it. Hey, I'm trying to give the people what they want, you know? It's good. It's good. Keep it up. You even get the, the president and CEO, Lorenzo's replying to you and all this stuff. This is big stuff what you're doing over there. So uh, follow him on Twitter. It's at Frankie Edgar. And of course, check him out this Saturday against Cub Swanson. Main event on Fox Sports 1. All the best, Frankie. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. Ariel, thanks so much, man. Take care. All right. There he is. The answer. Former lightweight champion. A huge fight at 145 pounds. And as I mentioned, I, I think that the, uh, the stakes have been raised in this one, especially coming off Lamas's win over... Dennis Bermudez, we could talk about what's next for Lamas as well uh, later on. But let's go inside the vault right now. Let's go to April of 2010, April 10th of 2010 to be exact. Remember when we first started this whole inside the vault thing, we, uh, we showed the post-fight interview with Dana White uh, from this event where, you know, Anderson Silva was acting all crazy against Damian Maya and 
uh, Dana really put his heart on his sleeve on that one. I mean, that was uh, one of my most memorable interviews, and that's why I wanted to start the whole thing with this one. First one to get over a million views and whatnot. So, um, and by the way, I see the guy on Twitter who keeps saying that I, I, I say whatnot too much and adding it to the drinking game. And you can add it. That's fine. But I'm working on it. It's one of those, I guess it's one of those crutches. I shouldn't say it, but I'd rather say whatnot than uh. You know, I'm trying to, these are things that I work through on a weekly basis in front of you people. I, I recognize that I am very much a work in progress, so I need to work on these things. And perhaps whatnot has become a crutch. So I'm trying to eliminate it, even though I just said it. I apologize. And I thank the, uh, the annoying guy on Twitter for continuing to bring it up. Anyhow, April 10th, 2010. Frankie Edgar shocks the world. He crushes New York Rick's dreams. He beats BJ Penn. He becomes the champion of the world at 155 pounds. And then we go to the, the, the trailer to interview him. And as I said earlier, his team just jumping up and down in a circle. Mike Straka in the, uh, in the mix. I don't know if he was actually in the circle, but he was very close to it. And also what was interesting was Frankie's coach, uh, and longtime mentor, Henzo Gracie, was in the same trailer because in Abu Dhabi, they had trailers. There wasn't a locker room because it was an outdoor stadium. So they had these trailers where, you know, maybe four or five guys was, were, were in each one. Henzo was in his trailer, in Frankie's trainer, trainer, trailer, but he, uh, he couldn't stand because, you remember, he had just fought Matt Hughes and his leg was messed up. He, he was sitting in a chair. And the great thing about Henzo was even though he suffered this defeat and he was in pain and obviously heartbroken – he was still very happy. He still had a huge smile on his face, and he was still very, very pleased for Frankie. So it was kind of a, an interesting juxtaposition there in the, uh, in the, in the locker room but, uh, or in the trailer. But uh, Frankie Edgar celebrating, and we had a chance to speak to him just moments after that big celebration. Here it is, Inside the Vault, April 10, 2010. Frankie Edgar discusses his historic win over BJ Penn. Ariel Hawani in Abu Dhabi with the new UFC lightweight champion. Frankie, I'll ask it again. How does that sound? Like I said before, it's just the best thing I've ever heard out of anybody's mouth, you know? I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, I've been at it for a long time. Uh, you know, I've only been fighting four years, but I've been, you know, wrestling my whole life. So uh, it just feels good. Uh, let's be honest. A lot of people doubted you. How did you stay focused? How did you believe in yourself and go out there and execute the game plan? You know, uh, every fight I go into, I think I can win. Um, I've been that way forever. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just the best way to do it. You know, don't doubt yourself. I understood. I mean, he, he was a great champion. Uh, he, he reigned this, you know, he's the best lightweight ever, you know, hands down. But, uh, you know, I, I was just focused and I knew I could beat him. Talk about the way you executed your game plan. What did you see out there that you knew, you know, obviously your, your wrestling game is so great, you didn't need it. Your stand-up continues to look amazing. Yeah, you know, uh, Beach is really hard to take down, so uh, you, you got to have good uh, stand-up, you know. Uh, I think the two takedowns that I did get did, uh, you know, win me, you know, maybe he was close round and it won me those rounds. Uh, the stand-up, you know, I, I know BJ is very fast. I think I was just a little bit quicker tonight. How about uh, fighting outdoors? Did that affect you in any way? Ah, I felt great, man. It really did. Uh, I didn't really have to warm up much, you know. I was sweating when I walked in here, so it was easy. I'm guessing you just want to fight it outdoors for the rest of your career now. I love it. I love it. All right, so what are you going to do? How are you going to party with this tonight? I don't know, man. I'm going to go, you know, uh, hang out with my family, definitely, and my teammates, you know. Who, are, who is my My teammates is my family, so it's easy. I'll be hanging out with my family tonight. Tom's River is, uh, is yeah, TR all they're partying tonight in Tom's River. Absolutely. Absolutely partying right now. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> all right, Frankie. Well, congratulations. Amazing performance. Thank you so much. There's actually a great video online of his friends watching the win and reacting to it when they announced that he had won. Fantastic stuff. Uh, they, they were going crazy, obviously, and uh, it's cool to hear his thoughts on that victory now. What is it? 
over four years later. So uh, appreciate Frankie stopping by and looking forward to seeing if he can make another run, this time at 145 pounds. So that was a short Inside the Vault. How about this? We'll give you another Inside the Vault. We had Nick Diaz on the show this week, and uh, that was a very big deal. I honestly never thought that we'd get Nick Diaz on. Next up, we're going to go to Stockton, California and hang with him. But for now, uh, we had Nick Diaz on the show, and I got to give a special thank you to the UFC PR team and uh, fighter relation team for uh, helping us get Nick and Anthony Johnson, who are there in Las Vegas for the press conference. Really appreciate it and uh, can't thank them enough for their hard work and helping us get Nick on the show. So... Because it was such a big deal to have Nick on the show, I wanted to go inside the vault and go back to my very first interview with Nick Diaz. Very first. April of 2009. Now, at this point in my career, MMA Rated was no more. And MMA Rated had essentially been closed as of November of 2008. It was a short run, but a very memorable one, at least for me. I couldn't find a job back in MMA media for quite some time. In fact... In January of 2009, I took a job in the, uh, in, in the production world working on GSP versus BJ Penn, primetime number one. And this was a fascinating experience and one that I'd never like to experience again because it was intense. It was the toughest thing I've ever done. We were working essentially from like 8 to 2 a.m. every single day, no break, no time off, Saturday, Sunday, for a month. And my job was to watch all the BJ Penn footage and... Uh, quite, quite honestly, that's when I noticed that he was not going to win the fight because he just wasn't training all that much. If you remember, Dana White came on the first episode. The only time I think Dana White has ever appeared in a speaking role on primetime, the very first episode where he called him and laid out that ultimatum. In fact, people don't know this, BJ Penn refused to do any more episodes, but the deal was that he would open the second episode. You remember those, that whole thing where he talked about, you know, he didn't tap from strikes. I mean, that was maybe the best primetime ever, the first one. So he had to open in, he got to say his piece and address the production team. He was very unhappy with the way he was portrayed in the first episode. So anyhow, I was working on that. I could talk about that whole experience for, for hours, but I was working on that and then it was over. I couldn't find anything else to do. So I decided that I was actually going to go back to jerrypark.com, which was the, uh, the original website that I started. And I gave myself from October 2008 to April of 2000, October 2007 to April of 2008 to get a job. You know the story. I've said it many times before. But I revived it in April of 2009. Why? Because I really wanted to cover Nick Diaz versus Frank Shamrock. Really wanted that fight. I, I, wa- I wanted to be there. San Jose, it was a big deal. It was uh, sort of a rebirth for... Strike Force, which is uh, fitting these days because Saturday felt like a rebirth for Bellator. Of course, both of them led by Scott Coker, and this was the first one on Showtime after they purchased those Elite XC assets. So this was a very big deal, and it was a very big deal locally because both Frank Shamrock and Nick Diaz were local draws from the Bay Area. Of course, you remember the press conference, Nick Diaz flips him off. I mean, it was great stuff. It was a big fight in the San Jose area, and I wanted to be there, but I couldn't find an outlet that, uh, that, you know, I could work for, that I could get credentials. So I revived jerrypark.com, and I applied, and credit to Strikeforce and Michael Fromwitz, their PR guy, they accepted my credential, even on short notice. And you'll notice in this uh, video, there's even an Echo logo on the video because uh, Echo sponsored my trip. However, I actually never billed them for it. I, I thought it would make me a little more official, but when I got back, I was like, yeah, I don't really feel like going through all this and asking them for the money. So I actually never got paid by Echo, but... There are logos on the video, and I got some great videos that week 
And, uh, you know, we spoke to, we spoke to Alistair Overeem when he was coming to America and there was just some great stuff. We got Nick Diaz after, and his first answer is classic. I mean, it's one of the best answers he's ever given me. And that's saying a lot. Um, right after the fight, he spoke to us after he defeated, uh, Frank Shamrock. You recall, we were talking about this fight last week. He picked him up off the ground. A great moment between the two of them. Actually, it was Frank Shamrock's last fight. And, uh, I think that was the fight that really propelled, Nick Diaz into the uh, the star that he is today. That was uh, that was a passing of the torch fight. Catchweight, 179 pounds. Nick Diaz defeated Frank Shamrock, April 11, 2009, 357 of the second round at the Shark Tank in San Jose. A great atmosphere, and I spoke to him right after for the late great JerryPark.com. Here's that interview, part two this week, two parter inside the vault. Nick Diaz, my very first interview with him. Ariel Hawani for jerrypark.com being joined by the victorious Nick Diaz. And Nick, first off, congratulations on a very impressive victory. Were you expecting the fight to go that easily for you tonight? Uh, who said it was easy, you know? It, know? it took a lot of, well, easier said than done. But it's, it took a lot of training, you know, a lot of, a lot of sparring goes down. You know, I, I, like, I like to think about it gives me a, you know, a lot of confidence to know that I put in a lot of rounds, you know. Sport, sparred, you know, a lot of important people uh, since I started boxing. You know, I started out with this, this pro boxer, Christian Cruz. I started sparring him. And, uh, you know, Caesar put me in there, sparring, you know, these guys that were fighting for money, pro and boxing, you know, they were knocking people out and stuff. And then, you know, one, one after another, this RJ Carson guy, all these, I could name, name names forever, all these different pro boxers that are sparring, but I just know. I just know the other MMA fighters aren't, aren't in there putting in that work. And I know when they start, they're going to be really discouraged, and that discourages them so they don't, you know, that's why they're in and then they're out. And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah I did that one time. But I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in there every day. And then I got to go and I train my jiu-jitsu with the gi and no gi. I put the gi on, I take the damn gi off, you know, and I train with my brother. You know, I take ass whooping, I don't come in feeling good, so... I got to feel good. We know how disappointing the uh, KJ Nunes loss was to you. Uh, do you feel as though you finally put that past you and have now kind of reestablished yourself in MMA? I didn't feel like that was a loss, you know. That's the doctor's fault, you know what I mean? They never would have stopped that fight in Vegas, so whatever, you know what I mean? And that guy is trying to turn a box or whatever he can, and he's not doing a good job. I fight the guy in a pro boxing match. Um, of course, I don't think they pay me enough money versus these MMA fights that they're paying right now, a little more money, I think, for me to be fighting. So I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to have to say farewell to that, I suppose. And uh, but whatever, you know, no hard feelings. I didn't. I don't feel like he won. I never did. So people try to talk like, oh, you know, I cared. You did this and that. I'm like, what the fuck do you know? You're a fighter, you know. So a lot of people they like to talk. I don't hit hard or something, you know. I think that's ridiculous too. I think a lot of people don't want to get hit by me, so they don't get hit. And then you know, when you see good punches. Uh, land, you know, um, it doesn't look like you're hitting hard, you know what I mean? Look at it, you know, just watch a, a boxing fight. A lot of punches are thrown and landed. You're going to say they don't hit hard. It's just it's just ridiculous, you know. You only throw a punch once in a while, and when it lands, they say, oh, that was a hard punch because it's the only damn punch it through, you know. So, but, you know, um, this fight, though, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I could have finished this fight on the ground uh, with a submission, but it's, sometimes it's a little bit easier not Try, you know, just to throw punches, and it's it's uh, more of a sure thing if you do the damage in the rounds. You know, you don't get that submission, the guy gets up, at least you put in that damage for the next round. So sometimes it's a little smarter way to go. But my coach fought him before, Cesar Gracie fought him before, 
And, uh, you know, if I had gotten to the ground, which could have happened very easily, um, you know, Frank never would have won that fight. And I don't think I ever would have ended up with this fight. So I'm very grateful for my coach. And to have, uh, I know it was kind of effortless, uh, the build-up to this fight. You did a great job hyping it, and it was all kind of highlighted by the uh, interview in the LA Times this week. Is there anything that you regret saying or doing leading up to this fight? Uh... No, you know, I, I just gotta, I'm just trying to do what I got to do, you know. I don't put too much thought into it, you know. I, I just I put more into my training. And then, you know, most people are doing a lot of uh, interviews and build-up and stuff. And that's how I, also that's how I know that they're not training for me. Because right. I know that I wouldn't have time to do that. There's, you know, too much stress involved in trying to make it to your next chance. You got to make sleep. You got to make training three times a day. You can't be missing one or two days. I'm going to have that up on you, and you can't do that. Every day is going to count. So um, I put a lot of hard work in. People don't understand that. All right. Well, it's a big night for Nick Diaz. A very impressive performance against Frank Shamrock tonight. Great stuff, and congratulations on the victory. Uh, I just opened a school in Lodi on 230 School Street, right on the corner of Lodi Avenue and School Street, across from Lions Restaurant. So if you want to come and train in jiu-jitsu with me, I'm going to see his grace jiu-jitsu and uh, mixed martial arts training there. So, Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Classic. I mean, there'll never be another Nick Diaz. The genuine article, there will never be him, and uh, that's a sad thing because I, I miss Nick Diaz. I, I miss having him around. I miss just his presence. He brings something very special to the table, and uh, it's going to be sad when he doesn't fight anymore, but we don't have to worry about that right now because he is fighting on January 31st against Anderson Silva. We are less than two hours away now from the uh, big UFC press conference, if you missed it. It's going to be airing live at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 Pacific. It, uh, it will air on MMAfighting.com. We'll have it up there for you, so you don't have to uh, worry about finding it. If you're watching this live right now, don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial, as they say. Old school. Nick Diaz, Anderson Silva, Ronda Rousey, Katzengano, Vitor Belfort, Chris Weidman, Conor McGregor, Dennis Seaver, Anthony Johnson, Alexander Gustafson, C.B. Dalloway, Leon Machida. I'm doing this all off the top of my head, by the way. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, DC Jones, of course, back at another press conference. And they'll be announcing their entire 2015 schedule, and they'll be making a very special announcement. A lot of people ask me what this announcement will be. I have no idea. I know there was some talk about uh, Brian Stan being involved. I confirmed that that is not the case. I know there's been some talk about some uniforms involved. I don't know if that's the case. I haven't been able to confirm anything. They're, they are keeping it. Very close to their vest. But uh, we were told it's a very special announcement. So less than two hours away, we're all going to find out. And uh, I look forward to that very much. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I am here. Mr. New York Rick, you didn't really believe Nick Diaz would show up. Of course I did. You were a doubter. No, I was not. All of you were a doubter. I was not because of the circumstances. If it was, if it was you know, Nick Diaz was saying, I'm going to call in then maybe I'd be a little more shaky. Um, but no doubt in my mind, you know, the, the surrounding the circumstances. It was great. What a moment. What a moment in time, huh? How about you answer his glides? Look, I, just, I actually just glided him. I mean... I, I thanked him personally with a glide, and I just checked into my glide, and there's, I think he's, dare I say, as the kids say these days, I think he's trolling me. <laughs> and let me tell you something. You have not lived... Until you've glided with Nick Diaz. I've never used glide, but 
I you, mean, you should get this on show, it. I mean, it's very how about big. they sponsor the show well, after, the, nice. after today? Honestly, they should sponsor Nick Diaz. Nick <laughs> Diaz is the biggest supporter of Glide that I've ever met. The guy loves it. His brother, too, but not as much as Nick. By the way, how about these new additions to the MMA Hour set? We got this guy we over here. We have a question about that later, so let's oh. hold off. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Does, do they ask me about my, uh, my time in Mexico, Lucha Libre and all? I think they just ask about that. Okay, so I can get into it there. Yeah. Um, one other thing I was going to say, that vault segment hurt a little bit, obviously. Um, the first one? Yeah. Was it one of the lowest moments of your MMA fandom? I, w I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was shocked. Um, I feel like it was like when GSP lost to Matt Sarah for me. Well, no, because I thought BJ won. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Matt Sarah, that was very decisive. I feel like, and I, and I think most people, I looked back at this quite a few times, uh, most people did score that fight for, for BJ Penn as far as like media outlets and things like that. BS. What, really? Who scored it for BJ? I think, uh, I think almost all the media outlets. Let's check. Um, MMA decisions? MMA decisions. The best Did they go back that far? Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. Come on, bro. They do? As far as media results? Come like, on, bro. No, I don't believe you. There, there was like Twitter. I remember sitting. They go all the way back to 1995. What? Yes, sir. How? With the media scorecards? Well, uh, actually, let's see. Hmm. So. Bye. No, not with media scorecards. But on, how are we supposed to? But they, I know for a fact that they do have the media scorecards for, uh, for Penn versus Edgar. So let's go. They do back to it. Yes, sir. I remember sitting cage side for that event, sitting next to Kevin Ioli, and he had something like seven thousand followers, and I had like four thousand. So I know that Twitter was wow. What? That's crazy. I know, right? Are you making fun of me? No, I'm serious. That's insane. Why? What's because insane about it? The 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 number has like risen astronomically yeah, yeah. well i like, think twitter wasn't well, <laughs> no, well yeah. twitter wasn't that popular back then well was it 2010 right yeah it was 2010 i'm looking at it now um invincible okay so let's see what number was that one i don't know what we're gonna see if there are no media scores no How there are were, there are media scores no, I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm sure i'm looking at it crosby 50 45 damato now ariel i'll teach you how to use the computer now when you click on oh. the actual fight You'll see that there's a thing that comes up, a page here, with media scores. There's, there's oh, wow. the word that? media, the words media scores here, and what one these site, MMA Junkie, scored it for Edgar. The rest scored it for BJ Penn. Where's MMA fighting? I guess they were not in the battle. Hmm. Where's AOL? Clearly, they didn't go to the big sites. What was your score? I don't remember. Of course you don't, because it was so long as ago. I was saying, most people scored that fight for Penn. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it was close. No, it was no doubt about it. It came down to a single round. I thought it. I thought it was two to two. Some people even scored a forty nine forty six. I don't think that was the case. I thought it was two to two. Um, in, in rounds uh, one and two, and then four and five were Frank Yeager. One and two was Penn, and I thought three was the decisive round, and I thought that BJ won that round. Um, but that was tough. I mean, I just did not expect that to happen. BJ looked like an unstoppable killer at that point. I, I think the, the odds were very high. I think he was greater than 5-1. to one. Have you ever um, been to Mexico? No. Will? Yep. 
Have you been? Yeah. Mexico City? Uh, no. You're more of a Tijuana guy, aren't you? <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I find that hilarious. <laughs> Where? Where exactly? Uh, Cancun. Oh, right, right, right. What about you, Alex? Mexico City? Oh, there he is, Mr. Tijuana. You know, I got to tell you, I'm feeling the effects. Now, what do you mean by that? What I mean is, thankfully, this show has kind of calmed me down a little bit, but uh, before it was a little dicey if I'd make it. That's all I'm going to say. And oh, this, what, what sort of pills did you buy? I didn't buy any pills, but this coming from a guy who was brushing his teeth with bottled water. I even showered with bottled water. Oh. I was that concerned. I'd even drink coffee. Oh, I don't really drink coffee all that much, but it was tempting because I was falling asleep on, uh, on Saturday before the fights. So I was very tired. All that to say that I'm, I'm, I just wanted to know if it takes usually 24 hours or does something slip through the cracks? I don't know. I you guys ever... I sick down in Mexico, but... You did? Happened. Yeah, it happened immediately. Oh, okay. It didn't take 24 hours. I got sick and it, happened. it took like a week. You're kidding. is going to be a problem. Well, hopefully that's not the case. At least it's probably not Ebola. Yeah, probably. I don't think it made it uh, to Mexico, but it was a great time there. You said we're going to address it, so let us address it, and let me forget about my troubles. Yeah, let's, uh, let's answer some questions. Bear with me. Computer's being a little slow. I know about it. Computer problems. Oh, yeah. Mine's staring me right in the face. <laughs> Killing me. It's so annoying. Why do these things happen? I guess it could be worse. I feel like we should try to stretch the show all the way to 6 p.m. just to counter-program their big press conference. I don't know if that would be prudent. Oh, I'm getting some, uh, getting some advice from my good pal Jimmy Stewart What's on how to battle my stomach problems. Uh-oh. Perhaps a little TMI for the viewers back home. One guy's just going nuts about Chuck Liddell's head. It's been fixed. I put it. Relax, Stephen A. 2121. It's fixed. It's right here. For the love of God. Chuck is okay, everybody. He's okay. I was just so, I was so excited that Nick showed up on time. Oh, well, we can't see Chuck. He's behind I know. Him. Well, there's a reason for that. Because this because lovely painting <laughs> needs something to be... Uh, to prop it. Yes, to prop it. Where are these questions that you promised me? This, uh, this computer is not cooperating. Problems? Just, uh, oh, and we got them. Are there a lot after a very busy... There are, there are quite a few. Did you watch all of them? I saw um, all of the UFC fights. I saw all of the Bellator fights. And I saw the two title... Well, the one title fight and the second fight between Melvin and uh, Justin um, from WSOF. No love for Jessica Aguilar. I did not see that fight yet, but I plan to watch it. Why? It was a one-sided beatdown. Because I want to see it. You're not going to watch it. This is like when you said you were going to watch Battlegrounds from your honeymoon vacay Listen, and you never did it. Battlegrounds is still on the... Uh, yeah, right. It's still on the, <laughs> still on the horizon. <laughs> yeah. um, I really am, am going to go... No, you're not. Don't I am going to go back. I'm going to watch it. Um, and Jesse, Jessica Aguilar's fight as well. Uh, first question, sit down with Mark Hunt. Hey, Ariel, can you walk us through your feelings during the sit-down interview with Mark Hunt posted last Wednesday? What were your impressions throughout as well as the ending of the interview? Uh, I'm curious uh, of the thoughts in your head as Mark was talking. Great question. 
Good one to start with. So a little background. I flew to Mexico at 12.15 a.m. Tuesday evening, or I guess Wednesday morning technically. Aeromexico, by the way, two thumbs up, or two thumbs up, Aeromexico. Really nice airplane. And so I landed at around 4 a.m. Wednesday morning, and if you ever arrive somewhere at around 4 a.m., I suggest actually booking the hotel room the night before because then you're stuck in this weird limbo where it's too early to check in. You're in a foreign country. You're sitting in the lobby half asleep. Nothing's open. You can't eat anything. It's a very weird time. Um, anyhow, we got through all of that. And then we're supposed to interview Mark Hunt at, what time was it? It was supposed to be at 11, 11.30 local time, right? So at around 10.45, I get a call from UFC PR saying Mark Hunt wants to do the interview right now. Thankfully, I was ready. I was, uh, I was all dressed. We had our equipment, all good. He's not in the best mood, they tell me. Uh-oh. Because, you know, sometimes Mark Hunt, you never know. Typically these days, he's been in a good mood. And on the embedded shows and all that, he's been, he was in a great mood. So I get down there and I see Mark and he's okay, no problems. But I could tell something's bothering him. I could tell that there's, there's an issue. And the guy that he was uh, with, I, I guess sort of his manager, this guy named Zen, who was a very nice guy. I mean, real pleasure to work with. He actually asked me, he's like, what is this going to be, five, ten minutes? And I got to be honest, my original plan was to do a walk and talk around Mexico with him. But uh, I, quickly, I quickly aborted that plan. So we go, we sit down. And I ask him, you know, does this need to be five, 10 minutes or could we do it a little longer? He's like, yeah, take your time. And I got to give him a lot of credit for that. He was very open with his time. He didn't rush me anything like that. But we sit down and it's very clear at the top after my first couple questions that he's not in the best of moods and he was open about it. He didn't exactly tell us what was bothering him, but he was open with the fact that something was, something was, uh, was bothering him, not related to the fight, right? He wasn't a hundred percent there. So we kind of had to battle through that. And the interview's going along, and you, you kind of have to dodge certain things, and there, there, there are some troubled waters here and there. You got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta roll with the punches, as they say, until the very end when I asked him, really, when, when he said the thing about these aren't good times for Mark Hunt, the father, and then when I asked him, you know, how do you envision the fight playing out, and he said, I don't care, and the look on his face, which I watched a thousand times because just, he just seemed like a kid. I mean, he just seemed like such a vulnerable guy. It really hit me, and I, I thought then and there, okay, it's time to end this interview. I mean, when he said the father part, that's when it hit me, because I thought he was dealing with the weight cut. I thought he was dealing with you know, the elements, the, the, the elevation. I didn't realize. I didn't put two and two together. No one told me before what the problem was. When he said the father part, I just said, okay, it's time to end this. I, I, I can sympathize with that. And then he walked off, and you saw the whole thing play out. And I got to admit, I've never felt this way about an interview before. I, I really was conflicted whether or not we should post this. I'm being 100% honest here. You know, a lot of people may think that media and maybe me in particular, like we have no heart, we have no soul. We just want to go out there and expose guys and say gotcha and put it out there and just revel in the clicks. They always talk about the clicks. Like I make money off these clicks or these views. I don't. Um, and, I, and I was really conflicted about it. I even went back. I spoke to his, his manager, spoke to some of the people in the UFC just to try to get an impression of where he was at and, and if this was the right thing to do. I, I, you know, Mark has been very good to us. You know, on this show, he woke up at like 4 a.m. one time with his wife and his kid, Skype. You know, I, I just didn't want I, I to put him in that spot and I didn't want him to have to deal with questions afterwards. So after talking to them and, you know, his guy was 
pretty much listening to the whole thing. He gave us the okay, and he said he didn't feel like anything really bad happened. And I felt at least comfortable enough posting it, even though it really, when he said the father thing, it really kind of, it hurt my heart, and I, and I really felt weird about it. But we posted, and, you know, if you notice, I didn't put any sort of salacious headline or quote or things like that. I just wanted to let it be and kind of leave it at that. And I didn't bother him for an interview leading up to that point. And I, I just, I kind of, or after that point, I, I just I just wanted to leave it alone. Sent him a message thanking him, uh, wishing him well, all that stuff. It was it was one of the tougher things that I've ever had to do. And it was, it was you know, these people are real people and we're real people too. And I felt really bad. But I see him Friday at the weigh-ins. And uh, I go up to him and I can tell he's in a bit of a better mood. I go up to him and I say, you know, Mark, I just wanted to thank you for the time. You probably weren't in the best of moods. That really meant a lot. And I won't tell you everything that was said between us, but I will share this. And I feel like he'd be okay with it. He told me that other people saw the interview and that actually helped resolve a situation. And, uh, you know, that made me feel great because I, I felt so bad about the whole thing. It really made me feel great that, you know, he would, he would say that and that in some way the interview helped him out. And, you know, he said that he was in a better place. And, you know, he, 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 he mentioned, he alluded to something in the post-fight press conference. We don't need to get into it. That you need to go home and whatnot. But uh, the fact that he was not upset about the interview and that, in fact, he said that it may have actually helped him in, in the end really made me feel a lot better. And I felt a lot of relief and joy. I almost got emotional when he said that to me. So that's kind of the story behind the whole interview. And uh, again, he didn't have to do the interview, but I really thank him. I mean, it's, I have to admit, when I saw that interview, I thought it was a wrap. I thought it was a wrap. I was like, I think I have a better chance at winning this fight than him. I thought he was going to, A, miss weight. I thought, you know. He has Dana for extra pounds. He asked for extra pounds and his head wasn't in it. I thought, you know, surely he's just not going to, He's not going to try as hard as he possibly can to make weight. Um, Verdum's going to take him down and sub him in, you know, a minute, whatever. Um, but over the course of the week, it seemed like he just completely flipped around. He was having fun. He was singing with Verdum. Um, yes, they were doing the... He, he just looked like a completely different person. Yeah. And uh, he almost got it done. He almost got it done. He really did. He looked great. And by the way, I mean... You know, he 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 did everything. I mean, we, we, we kind of like, oh, okay. He, you know, he made the way. Man, what that guy had to go through to make that way is nothing short of remarkable for a big guy like that to do all, you know, away from home, over there with the bad air. I was there. I felt it. That's really a victory in itself. Our next question: uh, What did you think? of Hunt and Verdum not manufacturing heat before their fight. They seemed genuine, professional, and like they were doing what they love without having to make up a beef with one another. To me, it was sort of infectious atmosphere brought on by both fighter, fighters' personalities. Not saying it works all the time, but I preferred it to trying to sell some silly feud. I loved it. I loved the dynamic between them. You know, Verdum is really coming into his own as a personality. He is so entertaining. He's fun-loving. He does those funny faces. Like I said earlier, he deserved a bonus just for his PR work leading up to the fight. And it was interesting that he wasn't necessarily the fan favorite come fight time, but I mean, he was singing to the crowd. It's some stuff that you didn't even see that we didn't post. He was fantastic. He has such a great personality. He's joking all the time. He's playing you know, pranks on his teammates. I saw it with my own eyes. And even though Mark Hunt may have not been in the best of places, because even on Thursday, he wasn't like he, he, he wasn't necessarily in the clear. I'm not saying he's in the clear right now with whatever's troubling him, but it was still essentially 24 hours later. 
he was dancing with them. They were playing. You, I almost feel like Verdun made him feel a little better. It kind of, it kind of relaxed him a little bit. Um, and, and I think some people misunderstand when we talk about calling people out or saying what you want, taking the microphone, taking matters into your own hands. I'm not saying that you have to manufacture feuds. I don't want to see that. Just, you know, if, if, if being yourself means being a certain way, that's fine. But if you can pull out something like this, that's great. I, I, I love this as much as I love the other stuff. And it's good because you don't always see this and you don't always see that. But this was, this was a lot of fun because, you know, this is a, a sport where guys are going to punch each other and you're used to people hating each other, mean mugging and whatnot. And to see how fun-loving they were and how they had this mutual respect was really cool. Though, at the weigh-ins, when Verdum gave him the mask, you could tell at that point Hunt was done with the, uh, with the jokes. He just wanted to beat him. And he told me right afterwards, I asked him if he thought Verdum had a questionable chin. He said, when these hit him, then you'll have a questionable chin. And he almost did it. It was amazing. I do agree with Chuck, though. I felt even when he dropped him early on, I felt like he was, he was kind of playing possum. I felt like it was the, the Fedor fight all over oh, again. Oh, God. Every time Verdum gets dropped now, it's no? playing possum. You didn't think? No. He got hit by one of the hardest hitters in the heavyweight division. But when it happened, I thought that. Yeah. Look, he got him in his guard shortly thereafter. Hunt chose anything. to go into his guard. I loved it. Gosh, I kind of wish it went a little longer. He got rocked. No, he did. No, yeah, yeah. No well, once, once I saw the, the replay, but that's what I was thinking at the time. Because look, look at the Travis Brown fight. He was doing all these things. He was playing tricks on him. So that, yeah, but I'll those think, were offensive things. Like, I mean, he did the kip, the kip sure, up. Sure, sure. That was But he's done this before. Like, good. the Fedor fight, he didn't get dropped. He fell on his own. Yeah, but the Fedor fight is the one fight. Every time Verdum gets dropped or rocked or whatever from now on, it's not no, going to no. be because he chose to. Well, that's good for him. Uh, our next question. What should be next for Mark Hunt? He took the fight on three weeks' notice and looked good up until the flying knee. How many wins do you think it will take uh, him before he's back in the title conversation? Like I said earlier, I don't feel like he lost a lot in this fight. I don't feel like his stock went down. I'd really love to see that Josh Barnett fight. Remember when he was on this show after the, uh, the Roy Nelson fight? He wanted that one, and it seemed like Barnett was into it as well, a rematch, right? Um, they were on Twitter, too, going yeah, back and forth. they were on Twitter. Barnett has been a little weird about his return. I feel like this is the fight, especially after he fought for the belt. This could be the fight that brings him back. I wanted to see Barnett Bigfoot, but they just announced Bigfoot versus Frank Mir. Does anyone ask about that? No. I don't know if I love that fight, but anyway. Let's, let's also remember that this wasn't Mark Hunt's title shot. Sure. He I, lo- I love the way this. I love the way he, he he spun that afterwards. Like this was always Verdum's shot. Well, I mean that's that's the truth of the situation. He he only had didn't he only have one win after losing to Junior over uh, Roy Nelson? Yeah. Well, he had the draw. Okay, so he had the draw and the one win um, to get himself back in position. But this wasn't really his title shot. I think you know he can he can get right back up there um, with a few more solid wins. And that's the beauty of the heavyweight division. If you're a guy like Mark Hunt, if you're a draw, people like you. There aren't that many contenders there. So yeah, he was the, able to, to step in. It's the way Roy Nelson keeps coming up in the conversation. He'll, he'll win a few. He'll lose that one. But he's right back in it every time. Um, and I, I, think, I think Hunt and Nelson will continue to be in that conversation as long as they keep knocking off uh, contenders. I feel like Roy Nelson, I was thinking about this, I feel like he's the heavyweight version of Michael Bisping. He's had so many fights, like, so close. Like, look, if he wins that fight, he may have gotten the title shot. Yeah. Bisping, the same way. Yeah. I can see the comparison. Anyhow, um, I think he's still in the mix. I think people would still love to see him fight, you know, top guys. Clearly, he can hang. 
I like the Barnett fight. I think that's the fight that really makes sense for them next. Kelvin Gastelum, where would you rank him at 170? Who would you like to see him get next? Pretty obvious at this point, the kid is a stud. I'd love to see him welcome Condit back. You know, I got to say, I wasn't a believer in Gastelum until Saturday. Like, I wasn't quite sure what to make of him. I mean, was he good? Yes. But was he a contender? I didn't know. I consider him a contender right now. Does that mean he should fight for the belt next? No. But I don't think he's that far off. I mean, that was impressive stuff. Do you, here's the thing. I mean, I always thought he was a, a high-level prospect. Not let, let me backtrack on that a little bit. I don't, I don't know about always, but since seeing him um, after the Ultimate Fighter, I thought that he was a high-level prospect. I'm not sure that this win is the one that you say. Really? Ellenberger? I don't know. To finish Ellenberger like that, that early? But Jake and Stock the, is down right now. I don't yeah. think that this is the one where you go, oh, my God, this, where did this guy come from? Because I feel like he's had fights where he's faced competition uh, at a similar level or right below and looked just as good. And I, and I think, um, I don't know, I guess it's just, you know, nitpicking. But I think that Gaslam, th this fight, I don't think was like a, a, a him putting the flag down and saying, I'm here. Um, I feel like he's always he's either always been here or, um, you know, you were you were kind of overlooking him. Mm. I mean, I think this, that this definitely was a, an important fight for him, but I don't the know. The biggest one of his career by far, I guess. I mean, Jake's lost three in a row now. It's not. I know, but look who he lost to. Rory, who's about to look. Take I the love belt. I Robbie, who's fighting for the belt. I mean, these aren't uh, scrubs it's, that he's. Yeah, losing they're to. not. They're not bums and they're not guys off the street. But at a certain point, you have to you have to fade him at a certain point. It came quick for Jake. Yeah. Because and even the Rory fight, I mean, it, it was kind of, you know, Rory won that fight, but nothing spectacular happened. Robbie, great fight. I think what, what is so devastating here for Jake is, forget about the fact that it's three in a row, early on he looked good. It was a short fight, but, you know, very early on he looked good, and then, bang, Gaston comes in, and I love that, I love that, you know, that Cerrone thing where you drop the guy and you go for the sub. Yeah, his, his transition was incredible. It was so quick. Um, so I love the Woodley fight for him. I like that, too. I don't People have been talking about that. I, I think that's a great fight. Condit, I mean, it's hard to really say. Who knows when he'll be back. But to me, Woodley doesn't have a fight. You know, Gaslam needs that next step. I, I feel like Woodley's the perfect next step from Ellenberger. It's a great fight. Who do you favor? <sighs> I, I think I'm going to have to go with Kelvin. Really? I don't know, man. Here... It, I, I don't see Woodley being able to, to grapple with Kelvin the way he does a lot of the other guys in the division. I think that Kelvin's counter-wrestling is really, really high level, and I think he'll be able to, to, at least if he doesn't dictate where the fight goes, I think he'll be able to prevent the fight from going exactly where Woodley wants it to go. Um, that said, if Woodley you know, lands his paws on, on you, you're probably going to sleep. Um, I don't know. I think that Kelvin... Man, that, I, that's a tough fight. I really don't know. At this, my gut says Kelvin right now, um, but Woodley could easily take that fight. Yeah. Our next question, what's next for Jake Ellenberger? Mm. After three straight losses, what do you think is likely next for Jake Ellenberger? Do you expect he will be cut from the UFC? No. I was surprised that after so much criticism in his last two fights, he still looked so hesitant against Kelvin. I really expected to see a more aggressive performance from him. Cut? What are you talking about? I'm not going to get cut. That's crazy. Um... You know what could be a fun one? Ellenberger, Gunnar Nelson. 
What do you think? I like that. That would that would be a good test for Gunner. Um, Ellenberger. So, so the ones that come to mind. He never fought Maya, right? I don't think so. Maya's kind of a wild card right now. He's still battling those uh, those issues in his arm. But Maya or, or Gunner, see, I, I still, I mean, obviously he's not a top contender anymore. But he's still, I mean, I still feel like th- those are losses to. The problem is we don't know because he's only faced these top yeah. guys. Well, that's why I feel like if you go a little below now. Yeah. I mean, Gaslam wasn't a top guy. Let's not forget. We view him that way now. But, yeah, that's a top. Yeah, what, what about Gunner? I think Gunner would be fun. That's a good fight. Yeah. Both coming off losses around the same time. I'll go with Gunner versus Jake Ellenberger. I, th- I mean, guys have been cut for less. I don't think it's completely no, out of the question, but no I don't way. think they would cut him. Just not in this day and age, right? Not in this day and age with Bellator doing the big shows and all that. It's going to be different, I think. Yeah, I, I. But I think what contributes to it is the, is that, uh, Dana White has been so vocal about the not pulling the trigger thing in the past uh, mm-hmm. with Jake Ellenberger, which I think is completely ridiculous. Our next question. Uh, great call by the doctor when I ripped the ear. What do you think? Yes. Um, and props to uh, Leslie Smith for wanting to battle on. Hey. I think he meant A. a. I think he meant A. It's our buddy James. James Glory. I know he's been battling some stuff, but he is so positive, and I always appreciate when he weighs in. So I uh, love seeing James throwing a question. Also, uh, he called her Smithy. <laughs> like their pals. Uh, we interviewed her afterwards, and, I, man, I got a lot of respect for Leslie Smith. By the way, I interviewed her for the first time before on, on Thursday. What a pleasant human being. She's so smiley, happy, you know, articulate, just a real pleasure to interview. So I enjoyed that very much. It didn't go her way. I obviously, in my opinion, was on her way to winning, and then they made the right call. I mean, 100%. I, I saw her coach showed me a picture of the ear right before they stitched it up, and it was legit. Like, I know I tweeted. First, I tweeted it was falling off. Then one of her coaches said it was just the cauliflower of the ear that bursted, and, 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 and there's, a, there's a picture from Ed Mulholland, who, uh, who's a great photographer, where like, there's actual blood you know, flying out of the ear. But then he showed me the ear, and it's legit ripped. I mean, it was coming off. And tweet of the night goes to Mick Foley for reaching out to her. That was, that was great stuff. So that being said, I definitely think it was the right call. And props to her, of course, for wanting to continue to fight. And you expect nothing less from someone like her, but that was the right call. Now, what do you think of the celebration afterwards? Well, before I go on to that, okay. the, the face she made when the, the woman came in to put the gauze on her ear let me know that that was the right call because she cringed yes, yes. like I have never seen before. Um, and that she clearly, I mean, she, she's just too tough is, is what it comes down to. The, there was absolutely nothing um, in that fight that, that would make me think that that should have continued. Herb Dean, did, it was Herb Dean, right? I'm, I mean, there's so much MMA this weekend. I think so, yeah. Uh, Wait, Herb Dean. Did Will just confirm that? He must, I think he just watched it. Or oh, he you has did? Seen it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, what? I watched it earlier today. Oh, okay. Wow. I like that. Um, Keeping up. Herb Dean made the right call having the doctors come in. The doctor made the right call calling it off. Compl- I mean, it was, it was picture perfect. And then after, in your interview with her after, she said, after, you know, seeing what my ear actually looked like, yeah. I think it was the right call. There's, there's, no, there's no debate anymore. It was, it was clearly the right call. Uh, and now the celebration. She just got a huge win um, in the UFC. 
I have no problem with her celebrating. If she did five backflips, it would have been yeah, fine. She needed the win. I mean, sometimes when you win like that, you know, you want to be. Well, it's not like she was running over to to uh, to Leslie and like rubbing it in her face. She yeah. was celebrating a win. I know, I know. Uh, people people get a little. There was a celebration on Saturday night that involved you know middle fingers and and things like that. There was oh Tito. Yeah. Yeah, when he threw the water at him. Uh, yeah, I mean that's you know. That now you could ask, is that appropriate? But you know, celebrating your win and enjoying it, I have no problem with that. No matter what she did, as long as it doesn't cross over into disrespecting the opponent, which yeah. it didn't, then more power to you. And I'm cool with it as well because she's been through a lot. And how good did she look in that first she round? She looked great. She looked great. I will admit, though, when it first happened, I was like, because mm. when you win by doctor stoppage, like, eh. but it's not like she didn't. Po- she yeah. she, she punched was her, her in the ear. Yeah, she was on her way. Take nothing away. It's like the Woodley fight against Condit. People wanted to discredit him. Yeah. When you win via injury or cut or something, that is a win. There's no doubt about it. It's not like a fluke. It's like, oh, you know. No, you that, caused it. Yeah, you caused it. Especially that one. Jeez. Uh, next question. Do you think Bellator needs to have more respect for themselves and put their champions build over fights like Bonner and Ortiz? Giving UFC fighters top billing just because they are UFC fighters or former UFC fighters would be more accurate. Makes this company look bad, in my opinion. Yeah, you might get a lower payday, but Saturday would have been better if the amazing fight between Brooks and Chandler uh, Brooks and Chandler closed the show. See, I, I don't understand this line of thinking. Bonner and Ortiz were the biggest draws. This is not the UFC. This is what's going to make Bellator a little different. This is what made Strikeforce a little different. They don't have to go by the same rules. Chandler Brooks got their fight. They got the five rounds, title fight, co-main event. Chandler Brooks got the rub from Bonner Ortiz. As crazy, as silly as the fight was, that was the draw. That got the people into that arena. And again, preliminary ratings, from what I'm hearing, it did pretty darn well. And it was because of Bonner Ortiz. Now, does this mean they'll continue doing that stuff? I think what it means is Ortiz is still a draw, and people are okay with an alternative. We were talking about this last week. Everyone loves to say, oh, it's so silly. You all watched it. You all wanted to know, even the people in the UFC, they wanted to know who won the fight. There's There's this intrigue about those two. They're names. They're the draws. And I'm okay with it in Bellator, putting those guys on top and then getting, you know, other people to watch the stars of the future. The up-and-comers, that's what you do. That's the formula. But if they would have built it, you know, look, you have, you have the, the, the cage thing, and I saw it all over the place leading up to the fight. It said Bonner Ortiz, Bonner Ortiz, or Ortiz Bonner. If it would have said Brooks Chandler, it doesn't have the same effect. Bellator needs reasons to get people to watch. They need to draw you in. So they're going to use these guys. It's about using them correctly, and I feel like this time they used them correctly, so I have no problem with it whatsoever. Chandler Brooks happened. If you didn't want to watch Bonner Ortiz... Okay, great. Your night ended early. So why do people care so much about all that? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a five-round fight. Like, they don't have the same rules as the UFC, right? So by well, putting it in the main event, it doesn't change the fight. You don't have to see more of it. Even if the UFC did it, is it that big a deal? Well, I mean, the UFC has this, this rule that they typically stick with, that they, you know, the title fight is always last, and the, the higher weight sure. is always last. They didn't do that for 169, but that was a, a special case. I like the fact that the UFC sticks by that rule that, you know, it's, it, it feels, I don't want to use the word legitimate, but it's just, it's, it's, it's about the sport. 
the championship should always be last. I like the fact that they do that. But I mean, look at look at look at DJ versus Carriasso. I think they they were hurt a little bit by the fact that it was called 178 Johnson versus Carriasso as opposed to stacked or McGregor Poirier or whatever. And this would have been the same thing. Ortiz I, Bonner are draws and people know them, especially the Spike TV audience. Why would you move away from that? The reason they're on the card is to draw eyeballs. Eyeballs. So why not maximize that as much as possible? I completely agree with you, and I I wouldn't have a problem if the UFC adopted it as well. Yeah, I guess. But in the UFC, like, do you want to? you really want to see Ortiz Bonner for five rounds? We would have seen. Well, more, that's you in know the what UFC. I mean? You wouldn't see Ortiz Bonner for five rounds. Is the thing, but you might see. Why not? If, it, if this was a huh? UFC event and but Ortiz they, Bonner was the okay, main but event. That, but that wouldn't happen in the UFC. What I'm saying is I wouldn't have a problem if, let's say, what's a great... Uh, if Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz... Oh, that's what you mean. ...was the headline event over, you know, a title fight. Okay, I get it. I wouldn't have a problem. It's not a big deal. Um, but you would not... See, I mean, you just wouldn't see Ortiz Bonner in the UFC like yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I understand. Um... Yeah, I have no problem. I don't get why people get so upset about these things. It's weird. Next question. Uh, Will Brooks, where do you see him? Yes. Of course, after the loss of Eddie Alvarez in the UFC, uh, maybe you don't rank the Bellator guys that high, but he is the only man who ever finished Michael Chandler. If he could become a UFC fighter, uh, who do you think uh, he should fight first? Honestly, I want to disregard the last part of the question because I don't like doing that. I feel like that's, you know, we talk about that, and that's obviously the elephant in the room when you talk to these guys, but... Beltor's not getting rid of Will Brooks, especially after losing Eddie Alvarez. So why even entertain that idea? Super impressive. Hopefully now he feels like he gets the respect that he deserves. A great finish, especially against someone like Michael Chandler. Again, I had no problem with the finish whatsoever. I thought he did everything right, and I think he caused it to be that weird. I mean, it looked weird initially, but that was because of him. He did that. So he deserves all the credit. He's the real champion. Kudos to him. I was looking at the division because right now things are kind of all in, in, uh, you know, in flux right now with Beltor. But I would love to see him fight Dave Jansen next. You know, you look at Dave Jansen, he never got that title shot. He's looked very good in Bellator. He's coming off a win. There's Jansen. There's Marcin Held. Um, I, I think one of those guys, but Jansen has a win over Held. I think that's a fight that makes a lot of sense. Jansen's a very good fighter. He has a loss to Ricardo Lamas and I think Kamal Shalarus in WEC and that's it. And he's gone on a great streak. So I, I'd like to see that fight. And uh, as for Chandler, I don't know if that's asked, but it I, is. It okay, will, it, it will is. Be asked. Yeah. So I, I'm really impressed with Will Brooks, and and I think what they're doing, you know, spacing it out and not going with the tournament, all that, it's going to benefit someone like Will Brooks because it will make his fight seem bigger as opposed to just fighting a tournament guy. And for Michael Chandler, I mean, the good thing about being in Bellator these days, it's still young, the divisions are shallow. I don't think he's going anywhere, but it's a tough time for him. It definitely is. Uh, your overall thoughts on the Bellator show? I thought it was a great show. The production was amazing. It reminded me of Pride, but that, the, but the show was a little drawn out. What was your opinion on it? Uh, if you guys got to watch it, I did watch it. I watched it after the fact. Uh, I thought it was an entertaining show. I mean, like I said, they got the results that they needed for the most part. Mike Richmond looked tremendous. Nam Fan did not, and I think it's time to to really wonder where he goes from here. Um, especially after those comments on the show last week were bizarre, where it really felt like he was doubting himself. So Mike Richmond looked great. And he missed weight. Yeah, I mean, uh, after all that talk. So Richmond looked great. King Mo looked great. Of course, he was fighting someone who doesn't typically fight at 205. But I'm curious to see what they do with Mo. Do they put him down at 185? Does he get the Ortiz fight? Nevertheless, good for the promotion for King Mo to win. 
the Joe Schilling fight was everything we thought and we're hoping it was going to be uh, Schilling even coming back at one point. It looked like almost he was going to lose the fight. Manhoff, you know, had him in a tough spot on the ground. And Manhoff, the thing I love most about that fight was I, I truly felt, and I feel like this is used often, I truly felt like I couldn't look away. Like, and even if I blinked, literally, I was going to miss something because they were just throwing with such bad intentions. It was so much fun. I think Schilling could be a very intriguing character in this sport if, of course, he can become a, you know, a well-rounded fighter. So that was great. Um, Brooks Chandler was entertaining. You have a new star. Not a bad thing for the promotion to have a new champion. And then Ortiz Bonner was what it was. I think it was disappointing to see Bonner's condition. Ortiz wins the fight. Still keeps it going. I don't think he should have brought up the rematch stuff, but whatever. Entrances were great. I like them a lot better than the Strikeforce ones. I've said on this show, I don't like the ramp. But like this, it's great. I, I love the screens and how it opened. It, it, it looked different. You can't tell me that those Strikeforce ramps were good. They look so corny. They look the, so the crappy. The ramp is the best. No, not the best. No way. It's not better I need than, the it's, ramp. It's not better than going through the crowd. No I way. I love the ramp. Someone was telling me that the UFC should adopt that for big shows. No way. There's nothing, I don't think the UFC should adopt it, but I love the ramp. There's nothing better than the guy coming out from the locker room into the crowd, going through the crowd, old school Mike Tyson. There's nothing better than that. But Bellator should, <clears throat> should not be the UFC. They should be different. And clearly Viacom is spending a lot on the product, and, and it shows. So I think it's great that they're going to do this for the big events, the tentpole events, as they say. And that British Invasion card is so much fun. They, they need to do these gimmicks. People will respond to that. The Spike audience will respond to it. They need to do the gimmicks. It's amazing how much has changed in just a few months. Even if you noticed outside the cage, it looked very much like a Strikeforce event with the, the VIP sitting there. They brought in all the fighters. They had the announcement on the broadcast. They didn't put it out there with a press release and ignore it. They made it seem like, wow, big things are happening. The British Invasion card, did you see that? Paul Daly and Lima, uh, McGeary and Newton, James Thompson and Bobby Lashley. Um, I miss, uh, Michael Page was... was uh, no. Was on that. Well, they're, 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 that's the rumor that he's going to be on it. Uh, there's one more that I'm missing. Yeah, there is, and I'm forgetting which one it is. Anyway, um, um, I, I, I think that all things considered, it was a good night for them and felt more and more like what Scott Coker wanted to do. And, you know, I'm curious to see what happens next year. It's, it's going to be fun. It felt big. It felt like a big show. It felt yeah. like a big deal. Now, were you watching it live? Yeah. I had UFC on one TV and I had. Oh, you Bellator. had two TVs going? Yeah. Was it fun? Did you enjoy that, or did you wish that they were separate, like Friday, 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 Saturday? No, it, it was, I mean, I wouldn't want to do it every week, but right. it was fun. It was fun for that night, um, but I would not want to do that every week. It was just, it was good to see. I mean, if one fight wasn't going great, you could tune him yeah. to the other one, and probably something's happening, and it, it happened to be that most of the, most of the more interesting fights of the night between the, 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 those two cards kind of lined up to work out that you could see everything. And then I tuned in for um, Justin Gaethje and uh, Melvin Guillard right. and uh, Okami and, and uh, Dave Branch. And who would have thought that the UFC event would finish before? I know. And it almost worked out perfectly if you wanted to watch the Bellator main event. But the UFC, I love the fact that they just ran through that show. I hated when they would put a prelim fight, especially after watching all of them, and they're all available, in the middle of a pay-per-view. What are you waiting for? Just get through it and then load the rest you know, on the back end with the, the prelims. So all in all, it felt like just a great night for MMA. Like there was no real controversy, right, that I can think of. All good results, yeah. all fun fights. The UFC card, even though, you know, some of those guys at the beginning weren't UFC pay-per-view caliber, 
that was a really fun show. And same, same with Bellator for the most part. Now, the main event wasn't the most exciting thing, but what did you expect? It was what it was. It got you to watch. It was kind of the signal of a new era. So that was a good night. Nothing to complain about. Our next question, is it safe to say we're going to see Justin Gaethje in the UFC sometime soon? Uh, not sure about his contract status or anything with WSOF. Just pretty clear he has the skill to be fighting the best in the world. Yeah, it's unfortunate because right now it doesn't feel like there are a lot of options for him. And I feel like he's ready for that. That was a big fight. He stepped up. Um, it wasn't a title fight. That was unfortunate, especially after everything Galar well, had said. It's his title anyway. So yeah. it's not like he, lo- you know, he didn't, he just had a non-title fight. Sure. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see could he have finished him in the fourth or fifth. You know, you want, you want to see the champion defend the belt. It's not good. It's not a good look for the promotion. Yeah. When, when the title challenger misses weight and has to be a non-title fight. You, you bill it as a three title fight card again to my point no more three title fight cards (laughs) i feel like they're just a curse nothing good ever happens either during the the card or before the card something bad is bound to happen if you promote a three title fight card stop it no more especially the smaller promotions something always happens it's crazy anyway i think he's ready but you know it's one of those weird things like i'd love to see jessica aguilar fight in the ufc i'd love to see her fight you know, Esparza again or whatever. I'd love to see her fight whoever wins the show or Claudia Goodell. I want to see that, but I, I don't want to disrespect the promotions as well. It's a, it's a weird thing. Why would World Series of Fighting give Justin Gaethje or Jessica Aguilar away? There's no one for them to really fight, but how are they going to survive if they build up these talents and then just give them away? You can't be in that kind of business. So it's weird. I, I'm torn about it. The fan in me, the journalist, I guess, for storyline purposes, I'd love to see those fights. That's where the best fight. But if I'm World Series of Fighting, I'm not just saying, hey, UFC, here you go. We want to see them too. No, we want to make money. You know what I mean? So I don't know who they're going to get for him to fight. It's tough these days, especially with Bellator changing up their, their whole thing and, and, and the UFC not really getting rid of a lot of guys, but they got to find someone. It's, I wouldn't, if I'm World Series of Fighting, I don't give him away, unless he's a free agent, of course. And I don't give away Jessica Aguilar, but it's going to be a challenge to get him legit competition without him getting bored. Yeah, he's a hell of a fighter. He's so much fun. He's great. And again, kudos to them. They, they made him. We didn't know who Justin Gaethje was beforehand. Yeah. They made Marlon Moraes. They didn't necessarily make Jessica Aguilar, but I feel like she's getting the rub. Like on the conference call last week, she was getting a ton of questions. People like her. She's, uh, she's marketable. She's, she's pleasant to talk to. She's a great fighter, although... I do agree. I, I, I saw Robert Sargent tweet an article, and I apologize that I don't remember the author's name, but it was a Bleacher Report article. I do agree that come the end of The Ultimate Fighter, season 20, once the belt is defended, it's going to be tough to keep claiming yourself the number one fighter at 115 if you're not fighting the best. Like She's not fighting top 10 fighters. She's not fighting top 15 fighters. So right now, she's maybe that number one fighter but if i were her i'd want to go to the ufc because there's just no division there i mean they literally don't have a division they don't have any other 115 pound fights essentially they 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 just have her title fights and that's going to be hard to to keep going performance of the weekend in a weekend full of great fights who did you think had the performance of the weekend i was impressed by branches lamas's and gastelum's performances it's hard to pick one but if i had to i would pick branches wow the guy looks so good against a very tough fighter in Okami, and what a great finish. I always watch your show. I'm a huge fan of you. Best regards from Brazil. Before I weigh in, I remember I asked you, end of the show last week, yep. what's the story we'll be talking about today? You said Will Brooks Chandler. Did you pick a winner? Uh, no. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, but do you feel the same way? 
I mean, there's so many stories. I didn't expect. I really didn't expect all their card, all the cards to just play out like that. Every everything played out in a storybook way. I mean, there's so many storylines. I think Will Brooks kind of got a little bit buried with the Tito Ortiz Bonner thing, um, with Verdum's miraculous like flying knee. Um, my, I, I was most impressed with Will Brooks. That was that I. I my stance hasn't changed. I thought that that was the that was the fight with the most on the line with the two highest level guys um, that I thought needed to prove something to the other. And in this one, I felt like Will Brooks proved he can be a champion in yeah. Bellator for a long, long time, and he has all the tools to do it. Um, so I was most impressed uh, impressed by Brooks, uh, but Branch had a fantastic performance. Lamas in a fight that many people were counting him out for some reason. Um, I, I favored. Who was um, the favorite? Uh, uh, Bermudez was the favorite by about two to one by the time the books closed, um, which that was a little high in my opinion. Uh, but I think that he was rightfully the favorite. Uh, but Lamas, I mean, he just had a, a fantastic performance. Yeah. Um, There's no right answer here. There are so many good performances. Indiv- there were so many individual standouts. It's hard to really choose one. And even though he lost the first round. And was losing the second round. I mean, props to Verdum for a just you know his 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 career comeback. I mean, really, who would have thought? That's how I started my interview with Dana White post fight. Who would have ever thought after getting released from the UFC after the loss to JDS that he'd be back in this in this point? I mean, this is really a remarkable turnaround and evolve as a fighter, become a better fighter, all that stuff. He deserves some credit for starting off slow and then knocking out Mark Hunt, which is a tough thing to do at this stage in the game. I know in the past he's been knocked out, but especially that way, flying knee. I got to agree with our friend here from Brazil. I mean, when I saw in the moment that Okami lost to Branch, especially via TKO, I know that it's easy to, you know, to hate on Okami these days, and he's maybe not as tough as he once was, but that's a big win for a guy that was just considered a UFC cast-off and didn't really fare all that well in the UFC. I mean, now it makes me start to think that David Branch really got into the UFC at, and, you know, maybe a little too soon. You know, maybe he really wasn't ready to fight in the UFC because he's looked great. Finishing Jesse Taylor and, you know, now finishing uh, Yushin Okami in that fashion, I mean, it wasn't controversial. He did what he had to do. He looked very impressive, and he was confident that he was going to win. That one really sticks out. It's that or, or Kelvin Gastelum, in my opinion, and to, to finish uh, Ellenberger in that fashion. And, I mean, how about the story he came on and told on our show? Um, about you know his life leading up to MMA, and then also I could be wrong, but I feel like Branch was one of those guys where he was cut a little sooner. Yeah, than, he was only uh, two and two. He was two and two, and he got cut, and people you know were a little confused about it. Um, so maybe it wasn't that he got into the UFC too soon, but he got in when the the environment was a little different. Um, the the culture was a little different. Um, he would absolutely still be around in today's uh, UFC because he has a name and um, he's definitely good enough to be on, you know, whatever prelims or, you know, the, the start of a pay-per-view at this point. Um, so I think the timing was just wrong, but now he's a champion in, in World Series of Fighting and, and he's looked great doing it. Um, Let's be honest, though. I mean, he wasn't the most exciting fighter back in the UFC. That's, and even that's, early on in World Series of Fighting. That's fair enough, but I mean... Just in terms of skills and, and ability to win, I don't think I th- I think he got you know he didn't get a fair shake, um, and that much is clear at this point that he's def- he definitely belongs. Um, That's why I'm happy there are you know I, I know a lot of people just want to see everyone under one roof and that would make things easier for everyone. But 
sometimes it's good for these promotions to be around the same way Strike Force was around and allowed Verdum to rebuild himself. The same is happening here with with uh, David Branch. So it, it can be a place where, you know, the, the former contenders die off and it could be a place where guys who maybe tasted the limelight a little too early truly develop and they don't have to do it under the bright lights of the UFC. Before we move on, I'm changing my answer. The answer is Fabrizio Overdue. Because he made MMA fun again. That's just what he does. Single-handedly? He makes MMA fun. He is he, fun. His fight with Travis Brown was just fun. Yeah. And then this weekend, he turned... Or this week, rather, he just turned the entire event uh, into a celebration. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and then he landed a flying knee as a heavyweight. I mean, he just makes MMA fun. Mm. So Fabricio Verdum is my answer, but uh, I thought Will Brooks looked absolutely fantastic. That's yeah. my second answer. Uh, what is the people's main event in Austin? Also, how do you see the winner of Barboza Green fitting into the lightweight title picture? Wow, people's main event. You know, I haven't thought of it yet. Let's see. Let's see. Um, it might be the one you mentioned. I no? know. I know. That is a great fight. People's main event in Austin. Looking at uh, I'm really excited about Matt Weinman, but that 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 won't be it. Um, yeah, you know it's one of those where I think all eyes are on Frankie Cub. I hate to say it, but it just, it really has to be Frankie Cub, right? For me, it's this one. This is a fun fight. Okay, fine. Frankie Cub becomes the people co-main. Bobby Green, Edson Barbosa is a lot of fun. Were you also surprised that he got Edson? No. Coming off that big of a win over Josh Thompson? I mean, what, so what other options were out there, though? Well, there was Cerrone. Mm. Wasn't the timing not right for that one? Also, Masvidal. I feel like Masvidal can't get that big fight. Who does Masvidal have next? Because you remember, he was supposed to fight Masvidal. Yeah. It's Masvidal. He just got someone. Oh, Norman Park, January. Yeah, maybe he's not ready. It's too soon. Anyhow, I love I that fight. I, That's I, a fun fight. I don't think there were many options, and I think that this is a very good one. It's a great fight. I, I'm not going to complain. Just, you know, oh, you go from beating Josh Thompson. I mean, he's sure he's really up there. But, yes. Green needs fights, though. He's had a few, you know, canceled, and, and I really want to see him in there. I hope he's in the right mental state and, you know, everything's okay uh, outside the cage. Um I love that fight. What does it mean for the division? Hmm, let's see. Oh, what's this? Dun, dun, dun. Um, hmm. Bobby Green right now is seven. Who's above him? It's Barbara's is 13. Who's above him? Okay. Thompson. What the hell? What? <laughs> These rankings. Thompson is six. Bobby Green is seven. What the heck? Uh, B- Benson... Cerrone, Dos Anjos, Habib, Gilbert. I think, off the top of my head here, perhaps the winner of Benson versus Eddie Alvarez. I like that. Because Miles Jury's fighting Cerrone. It's time. It, it's, it's all, the time is now, hashtag. What's time? It's time for uh, Green to get that next step up if he wins. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that fight. This card is really great. I can't say it enough. I feel like it's completely flown under the radar. It's, you know, one, some of those fight night cards aren't that great, and they're just one or two fights on them that, that, are, you know, that are really interesting. This is not the case. I feel like the entire thing, even 
I'm even looking forward to, I, uh, I just closed the card, uh, the um, Kyleen Curran versus Paige Van Sant fight, 115. We had Paige on the, uh, on the show not that long ago. Can Eve Edwards rebound? Luke Barnett, can he rebound? And the main card is, is really good. Our next question is about the Sweden event. What are your thoughts about placing the event in such a huge arena, uh, 30,000 plus seats, and having it in the middle of the night local time? As a Swede, I'm concerned it's going to be a catastrophe. Why? Uh, MMA is becoming, quote-unquote, hip in Sweden, but the hardcore fan, ba fan base is still very small. The 10K seat arena was only half full at the last event. Placing it in the middle of the night in dark and cold January will likely scare off most of the casual fans. We'll see. Tickets are on sale soon. I feel like the UFC has done enough research where they, they, they feel pretty confident that they're, gonna, they're not going to go to 30,000-seat arena when another arena, a small arena, is available. Let's not forget, the last event in Sweden did not feature Alexander Gustafsson. That's a pretty big deal. The event prior to that also didn't feature him because he got injured. Yep. Also a big deal. This is a big deal. This is Gustafsson at the height of his popularity in a number one contender fight and, you know, you got Henderson, Musasi, Musasi from that neck of the woods. He's fought there before against Latifi. Uh, I, 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 feel like, I feel like they could do it. I feel like it, it will be sold. Just, just it's, it's one of those things where just going to that arena, I feel like, tells the fans that this is a big deal. Now, the 3 a.m. thing, I mean, I would be concerned as well because if that's my local time, I'd probably be falling asleep at that, that time. That is something, I mean... You know, younger people might not want to go. Older people might not want to go. That That is definitely a concern. But I feel like they are smart enough about this kind of thing to know that they are going to sell those tickets beforehand. They've done their research. I think it's huge. I mean, if you're a Swedish fan, would you prefer this fight happen in Las Vegas or Florida or something like that? This is your boy fighting for the, 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 the number one contender spot to regain that spot. Just two weeks. Is it two weeks? Yeah, three, two, three weeks after Cormier Jones. The timing couldn't be better. It's a big fight. It's the two top guys. Very little to complain about, except for the fact, of course, of the time. I don't think it's going to be counterproductive, though. Now, this is the second week in a row, though, that we've had somebody from the local area complaining about the time. What happened last time? Oh, Brazil? The Brazilian yeah. uh, fan wrote in about, you know, they can't keep doing this. Um, it's true. So They made a habit out of not doing it, especially with Fight Pass these days when they go to these you know, these, these international markets, but doing a Fox show in Sweden in front of all those people is big for the American audience too. And I feel like it, it, just having Gustafsson back, we forget how big he is there. And I think he's come a long way since that first fight against Thiago Silva. Remember, he's only fought there once in the UFC. So I think this is a big enough deal for that. And I think they'll be okay. Our next question, Rufus Sport Reputation. After mm. the tragic handling of Dennis Munson Jr. and the revelations uh, from Rose of the training at Rufus Sport, do you think it will damage the reputation of the gym? Okay, so this is a, this is a very heavy topic. Earlier today, I tweeted out this, this video that was put together by uh, a group of reporters in Milwaukee, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Tremendous journalism. They really broke it down. If, if you don't know the story, I suggest going back into my Twitter feed, checking out that video. In short, and I don't want to make it a short story because it deserves a whole lot more time, but in short, Dennis Munson Jr. was a kickboxer, fairly young in his career. Sadly, after a kickboxing match earlier this year, he passed away, um, and 
it appears, based on the video package put together, there were a ton of errors that led to this tragic turn of events. I mean, from the referee to the cage side or the ringside physician um, to the corners. I mean, there, 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 were, there was a lot on paper that seemed very troubling and very hard to watch, to be quite honest. Since that story came out on November 15th, Rose Namajunas, of course, of The Ultimate Fighter, has gone on Twitter and voiced some concerns that she had about training at that gym, Rufus Sport in Milwaukee, a gym that has produced champions like Anthony Pettis and great fighters like Benton, uh, Ben Askren. And, you know, other people have come out. Eric Schaefer, former UFC fighter who's been a coach at that gym, have come out and voiced the same kind of uh, issues and, and complaints about the tough environment there and just stuff that they went through while training there and even some names that we don't even, you know, that aren't, you know, public names, big names, etc. I always feel like in these cases, when things come out like this, it's best to hear both sides of the story. It's best to get both sides. That's the fair thing to do. In fact, I reached out to Duke Rufus to come on this show, but he said he had uh, practice during the, uh, the available time, so he couldn't come on the show. But I do believe that uh, we will have his say in things a little later on. So I think that's very important. Curious to hear what he says about this, about these accusations, about everything that transpired. And, uh, and then, and then we'll, we'll be able to decide. I mean, there's always two sides to a story, so it's hard to really you know, determine who's, who's in the right, who's in the wrong. But these are, these are very, very serious accusations. And, and, and these are things that you know, sometimes are thrown around in the world of combat sports. But after something like that, especially after you know, the, the accusations of the cornerman, the coach not taking care of his fighter, I mean, it was, it was just so hard to watch. Even the referee, I mean, there, there were clear signs. And yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, but there were some clear signs that this guy was in a lot of trouble. Uh, this young man, Dennis Munson, and, and it's just, just a real tragedy. And you hate to see that in, in any, any kind of sport, especially in one like this that's so brutal. But I'd like to hear from Duke first. I'd like to hear what he has to say about it. This is his gym, his reputation. And let's be honest, prior to this point, at least publicly, these accusations weren't thrown around. It, it wasn't really... Uh, you know, a, a big, a big label put on Rufus Sport. These are things that have been said about other people, but I haven't really heard it about Rufus Sport. So I'd really love to hear from him first before weighing in, pointing the finger. But I have to say that the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel put together a great piece, hearing from people like Nick Lembo and other respected officials, just looking at the video and telling you everything that went on that that was wrong because it's it's pretty amazing and pretty unbelievable to watch. I mean, the 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 lack of care for this person's safety and health was appalling. And I feel like all the people involved should really face some kind of consequence for it. And that's it. Let's hear what he has to say. I mean, it's, I think it's a little too soon in the game. I know some people asked me to reach out to Rose, but I felt like she had her say and definitely respected. And she doesn't strike me as the kind of person, Pat Barry as well, Eric Schaefer as well, to throw out something like that if they didn't feel it. But once that was out there, I really wanted to hear from Duke and hear what he had to say about it. So hopefully we have that soon and then we can take it from there. Moving on to Twitter, uh, we put this on pause earlier. What's next for Michael Chandler? Hmm. I think, I mean, look, he's not getting cut, that's for sure. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a tough time for him. He was the face in many ways of Bellator, and, you know, he's lost three in a row now, but uh, I still think he's a name, and he's built himself up enough, and I think the Eddie Alvarez feud, because how great those fights were, the two fights, he typically brings it. He's a fun fighter. People want to see him fight. So I don't think he falls 
too far down the ladder. But yeah, I mean, that's now two losses to Will Brooks. Although I do believe that he won the first fight. You remember that fight? I forget. I believe I scored it for Brooks, but I I think I, I think remember. Chandler won it, and he was banged up, but still, loss is a loss. It was very close. You know, there's Patricky Pitbull out there. There are names. There are guys coming off of losses in Bellator. I think he'll be used the right way. Again, and, it's a different time in Bellator. We exactly. don't have to worry about going through the tournament and all that stuff. He's still somewhat of a draw. He's, he's not Ortiz, not Bonner. He's still a big enough draw for them where he can be used the right way. Of course, did he want to be the champion? Yes, but I don't think it's that troubling considering the organization that he fights in. But you have stated many times that the, the two losses to the champion is, is kind of a death knell for your title oh, contention. Yes. Yeah, it's tough. And he's got that. Yeah. He's got the two. He's got the two. He's kind of in that weird spot right now. He's not a 170-pounder. He's not a 145-er. But, you know, is, is Will Brooks that dominant champion? We'll find out because the second he loses, if he loses, then all of a sudden he gets renewed life. But, yes, right now he's in that tough spot, a really tough spot. Where do you go? Well, again, in Bellator, I feel like the belts aren't established enough to where those things matter as much as if it was Chad Mendez, Joseph Benavidez, you know, those guys in the UFC who are kind of in limbo right now. I think he'll be okay. I, I still want to see Mike Chandler fight. I'm still very intrigued by him. I still want to see him develop as a fighter. I still feel like we haven't seen the best of him. It's okay. Our next question, what's next for Melvin Guillard? After missing weight and losing, what is the next course of action by WSOF? That's, I mean, Melvin Gillard is in, a, is in a tough spot because not only did he miss weight, for the second time in World Series of Fighting, by the way, not only did he lose, he kind of crapped all over the promotion on the weight, all of that, right? I mean, the B-League and all that stuff. I think he's still a big enough name to where they keep him around if he wants to be cooperative. He was, I, I, there was something a little off about that interview last week, but I still think he's a name. And in a division where, especially in World Series of Fighting, where there aren't a lot of big names, you still need him around. Whether or not it's, you know, to, to prop up some new talent or to go on another run again, I think he needs to think twice about crapping on the promotion, especially when there aren't that many options in North America to make money, like the money he's making right now. I'm not saying it's the greatest money, but you're still making a living doing what you love, fighting on national TV. He fought on big NBC in his debut. You got to make weight. If not, go to 170. You can't do it three times in a row. And it's probably best to not crap all over the promotion. I mean, who does that? Why would you, why would you hate on your bosses that you work for? Your employers. It's never good. Fighter, journalist, technician, waiter. It's not good to publicly smash your employer. Just next, my two cents. Our next question. You've been many places. This is to you, Ariel. You've been many places. Mexico, Canada, Ireland, Sweden, Brazil, and China. Did you go to China? I have not. Uh, the other ones I believe you've gone to, right? Mexico, Canada, Ireland, Sweden, Brazil? Correct. Actually, uh, no, 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 Sweden. No, Sweden. Okay. Wow. That, that's right. Like we, uh, we, we, we did that. Um, the party at Brother Jimmy's. Yeah, the Brother Jimmy's event. Um, okay. It was fun. Mexico, Canada, Ireland, and Brazil. Who has the most MMA patriotism? I mean, it's hard, it's hard to... See, right now, the one that came to mind was Ireland because it's fresh, and that was pretty amazing stuff. Brazil UFC 134 was pretty incredible. I think it's a toss-up between those two, and obviously Brazil way bigger than Ireland. Um, man. What was 134? Was that... That Ronaldo? was Anderson Okami, oh. the first one back. 
that was ridiculous. I mean, them singing Paul Tiago's song, Noguera coming out, the people crying when he won. It's different. One's more established, one's a little newer. But those are the ones that come to mind. I mean, there was something special about the Ireland card because when the UFC goes to Brazil, especially early on, all the fights feature Brazilian. Well, you can't fill an entire Irish card with Irish fighters. There aren't enough. So it was kind of like they got excited, they got excited, and then they had a little break, and then they got excited. So it wasn't continuous as it was that first time, UFC 134. Um, and all the Brazilians were wrecking. They were wrecking. Cows, yeah. As were the, the Irish the fighters. Irish, yeah. Canada, they're good, but I don't put them up there with those. Damn. I don't. I'm just being honest. Mm. It's not the same. U.S., no way. You're one of us now. Japan, it's not quite the same. They're not the loud bunch. Uh, where else have we been? Mexico was pretty awesome, but not quite the same. It wasn't the same. Um, but loud doesn't necessarily translate to... Well, that's the best way to gauge fandom. it. That's the best way. But plus, the Mexican crowd, I mean, they, honestly, they were cheering for Hunt more than Verdum come fight night. <laughs> um, so it's, it's Ireland, Brazil. Right now, I give it to Ireland because I feel like Brazil has gone down a little bit, and it's not as fresh. So right now, I give the title to Ireland. How about Ariel Hawani hating on Canada? Next question. This is the truth, man. I speak the truth, unbiased. What's the purple thing on the desk? This guy. Is this what we're talking about? I'm colorblind. Seriously? Yeah, what is? It's purple, yeah. Okay, here we it's go. It's like super purple. Um, what do you, wait, wait, time, time, time. What do you see it as? A fuchsia? No, I'm kidding. It's purple. Are you actually colorblind, though? I am. So, like, what is it? Like, it's, like, muted? Does no, it, no, I don't see black and white, but, um, I don't know. Like, compare that to the orange, the orange ball on the, on the top of the Anderson Silva box. By the way, that's Otto, the orange, okay? A little respect. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but he's purple. Is he purple? No, no, no. Compare the, the navy blue, but, though, uh, to wait. the purple. Is okay, that, like, so similar? I think, yeah. You don't think so? No, it's not even close. That, I mean, look at that. Nope. That's, that's weird. That's interesting. This is a tough one. That would be a tough one. Wow. Okay, so, yes, that is very purple. Okay. Um, what is it? So, on Friday, after the weigh-ins... I attended a CMLL Lucha Libre event in Mexico City. And let me tell you, I've been to a lot of places now, and I've had an opportunity to do some cultural stuff at these places. I don't get to do it a lot because we're working so much, and I always recognize the fact that I'm not there on vacation. I'm, I'm there to work. But Lucha Libre, Michael Carroll flipped the script, offered us the opportunity to attend this event, and it was so much fun. It was such a blast because it felt like, and if you don't know what Lucha Libre is, it's Mexican pro wrestling. It felt like a throwback. It felt like old days, Memphis wrestling. Every Friday night, the people go to the same arena. Not a lot of talking, just matches. And there are women there. There are old ladies there. There are little kids there. The vibe, I mean, it, it, it was like what you see in the movies with the posters and obviously the high flyers and the mask. I got two masks myself. It, it just felt like we were in the 70s. It was so much fun, and the athleticism was great. A couple of known guys were there. Chavo Guerrero, Hernandez from the, uh, the TNA team. Even Mark Jindrak was there, who looks completely different than the Natural Bone Thrillers. It was so much. I couldn't understand a word that was going. I mean, like when they made the announcements and all that, and even Guerrero came on the mic, and I think he was promoting something happening the next night. But it was just, it felt like straight out of Natural Libre. It was amazing. It was so much fun. So I bought these little guys. I bought this guy. I think this is an actual wrestler, but I forgot to ask who it was. 
I bought this guy, who, as you mentioned earlier, kind of looks like a Power Ranger. Yeah, White Ranger from yeah. back in the days. Where are his eyes? I guess you can't see them because he's wearing the mask. I bought two masks myself, and I even bought a, 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 a kind of one that's this big, Lucha Libre guy for my son, who he enjoyed it very much, and we named him Nacho. And uh, it was just, it was, if you're ever in Mexico, it's like a cultural event. Everyone just goes, kids, old ladies, and they watch it for two hours, and then it's over. Perfect time. I think, I think, yes? Don't they have, like, one in Cali now, though? That you don't even need to go to Mexico? It's not the same. I think it's called Lucha Underground or something. It sounds right. CMLL and AAA, that's the real deal. That's what you watch on this Univision. This is like long-standing, like yeah, yeah, yeah. super reputable. Corona, you see the Corona logo. It's like this is what you see on Univision with the guys flying all over the place. I've it never was, seen it. You've never seen it? No. You've never seen Lucha Libre? I would Libre. love to. No, you've never seen to. it? Like, well, no, 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 I've never seen it. Not even on TV? Mm-mm. That's weird. Um, I do know, I did know one of the names, Chavo Guerrero, from Chavo what Guerrero. you said. I didn't know Eddie the Guerrero's other cousin. two guys. Though. Came out to the WWE Music, too. It was great. It wasn't full, but it was just so much fun because it wasn't the talking. It wasn't the, the soap opera stuff. And, of course, I didn't know. They had this one character there who was kind of a, a fancy boy. And his thing was that he was trying to kiss everyone. And people were laughing. They were just having the time. They had this one little midget. Like, literally, he was this big. And he was dressed as, a, like, a teddy bear, a blue teddy bear. And he was just, it was just great. He was wobbling around. It was so, it was so much fun. Now that I think about it, I saw a... Uh a gif online of a guy like a a little person um wrestler like being kicked off the apron or something like that and like flying into the crowd yes and i think it was from no i don't know if it's from friday because i've seen it before that but i think it was from like a uh, a lucha libre um thing maybe it was from one of those organizations but oh um, totally was he wearing a mask i think he's wearing the teddy bear suit now that i think about it that's what made that's what sparked it in my mind um but yeah i mean i'd love to see it it sounds like fun um michael reminding me that uh the fancy boy is called maximo that's his name in case you in case you uh want to look him up it was it was a lot of fun they they put on a great show and you know what's cool about it when the event was over oh and they have all these masks outside and t-shirts and things like that like the memorabilia where are are your masks now you know what i was gonna bring it but But uh, the last time i brought my freaking mask someone stole it my Eric Perez Goyito mask. Where is that? I'm sure it's somewhere. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's somewhere in heaven with my watch, my Anderson Silva <laughs> watch, in memorabilia heaven. So I'm not bringing any more of my things here, although I did bring this. Um, there's only one entrance and exit. So when we walked out, Chavo Guerrero was in his car, actually being driven by someone else. And it just felt like everyone was kind of like hissing or like, hey, Chavo. It, was just, it felt old school. Like there was no yeah, back door that they leave from. He was actually just there. That seems like a terrible idea. It was kind of weird, but uh, it was also pretty awesome. Like that seems like a terrible idea for like if there's a guy who's a character a heel, that, yeah. that, you know, people hate and then they see him like right next to them when they're leaving. That does not. And, you know, you get a few. You said it's sponsored by Corona. You get a few drinks in you. That does not sound um, good. Also, they're relentless with the the um, they're relentless with the memorabilia stuff. Oh yes, so Sean Sheehan just sent me a video, and it's that guy, the little man. Oh my God, flipping around. Yes, get a, <laughs> this is hilarious. It's that guy, the guy, the thing I was talking about. Well, is he, that cla- guy? he claims that he knows what you're talking about, and if this is true, it's it's that guy. We'll see. Uh, okay, our next question. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. If you're ever in that area, I suggest you going. Our next question from somebody named Will. Did y'all see that girl's ear get blowed up? 
Oh, I know this. I, I, I can sense that accent from a mile away. Um, yes, I did. I saw it. We talked about it. He saw it too, which is... <laughs> you got to keep up. <laughs> what about the post-fight interview? I really screwed oh, up on that yeah. post-fight interview, by the way. How? How dumb am I to do it when we're like, like facing the yes, the wrong way? Yeah, the idiot. Meh. Honestly, I blame. It was covered, though. No, I blame. Yeah, but I mean, for the effect. Sure. Did you have your back turned to camera? No, like this is the this was the bad ear. He so, was on the so she's turned like, and I'm here. Let's say I'm standing right here to her right. So the good ear is facing the camera. If she's turned a little bit, you don't get to see the effect of the bandage. I was, I will admit, I was kind of dying to ask her to take it off, but I thought that that maybe would be a little bit too much. Uh, our final How about this? thing is not a question. Wow. But it is a picture from our buddy, Chris Rennie. Who tweeted me earlier today saying that he's going to miss the show for the first time. Is it really the first time? I don't know. But... This but, time around, yeah, he has a great excuse. A father? Now, is this a boy or a girl? That's a good question. Either I, way... I don't think he declared it on, on yeah. social media yet. Very um, secretive. Either way, incredibly cute. Mazel tov, All the best. And already a fan. Already a fan. He puts a... If you're not watching, he put a piece of paper next to his newborn child saying, Ariel and Rick, the MMAR rocks. No mention of Will or Alex, which I think was a little bit of uh, you know an oversight. But... I mean, that's, that's, that baby's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) That's that, that we do not, we do not condone that language, nor do we share that sentiment, but that is pretty, I mean, to think in that moment to do something like that for us, that for us, that's very touching stuff. Plus I I recognize that, that little swaddler thing, the, the blue line over there, the, the stripe, I, I have the same one. I have many of those actually. That's great. That's great. Congratulations, stuff. Chris. Congratulations. All the best. Better in, luck next time. In 20 years, in 20 years, this young lady or boy will, will look back on this moment. I mean, how many people are just hours old and make it to the number one, number one mixed martial arts podcast show on SB Nation that airs on a Monday? <laughs> That's great stuff. Thank you for that. That's very nice. He spelled your name wrong, but that's okay. Who, he spelled whose name wrong? Well, I mean, it's R-I-C-K. No, no, no. It's R-I-C. There's no K in my name. Come right. On. Come on, bro. That's it? Uh, that's it, but get your applications in to fight at Metamorphos. Oh, that's right. Anyone? Oh, we can't see. It'd be cool if we could see them come in and we oh, can pick. Oh, no, you can't see them come in. They're going to Metamorphos, but... Info at Metamorphos.com. That was cool. Are you going to do it? Yes. <laughs> I have a black belt. Um, let's look at the... Odds before we go. Matt Wyman. For, Isaac, oh, I thought you were about to say odds for Metamorris. That'd I think be cool. they do actually do, do, they that, do that now that I think about it. Where can I find that? Uh, I don't, it, it wouldn't be up until closer to the event, but I think they do do that. Well, here we go. You ready for it? Yeah. Well, how about this one just for fun? Nick Diaz, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. Yeah. Um, what is it? Minus 350 plus 329. Okay, Saturday. Matt Wyman, Isaac Valley flag. Wyman. <coughs> bless you. Minus 230 plus... Oh, sorry. Minus 220 plus 185 for Wyman. By the way, did you notice after our interview with Mark Hunt, did the line change? Mm, that's a good question. I, did, I didn't look. I mm. didn't actually look at that. Um, okay. I, w- I would have to think it did. My, uh, my feeling coming out of that interview was he's cooked. Yeah. Um, 
and I and I wouldn't be surprised if many people thought the same thing. Um, but betting on Hunt by KO probably paid a decent amount, and you probably could have gotten that. Back to Saturday. Yep. Joseph Benavidez, Dustin Ortiz. Uh, Benavidez. Minus three seventy-five plus three ten. Jared Rochalt, Alexi Olenek. Rochalt. Yes. But maybe a little closer than I thought. Minus 220 plus 185. Well, the thing about Rochelle is he is a great wrestler, but he's shown that sometimes it gets a little sloppy, yeah. um, gets a little tired. But, I it's mean, there's no, there's, no, there's no reason not to think Rochelle would be the favorite there. Okay. Brad Pickett, Chico Camus. Mm. It's going to be Pickett, but I, th- I like that fight. I have a feeling it's gonna be, the odds are going to be further than I think they should be. I have a feeling Pickett's going to be at least like a two-to-one favorite. Is he? Yeah, yeah uh, maybe not. No. Uh, well, yes, he is. Minus 250 plus 210. I th- mm, you know what? That's not so far off. I think Chico's a live dog in that situation, but I think Pickett is the rightful favorite. Big fight for Pickett coming off the Ian McCall loss. Okay, two more. Uh, Bobby Green, Etsy Barbosa. Ooh, this is a tough one. See, the other ones were easy so far. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Green because Barbosa's coming off a loss and Green is coming off some big wins. I'm going to go Green. Yes. Actually, wow, this is interesting. I've never seen this before. Is Barbosa the favorite? Well... You know how Best Fight Odds, they have some outlets? Mm-hmm. Well, this time they have three. Two of them have Bobby Green as the favorite, slightly, but the lowest one, you know, the one that they highlight, has him as the dog. So yeah, it's a close fight. Five dimes, minus 120. Sport bet, minus 114. But bet online, plus 115. And then Barbosa, five dimes, also has a 120, minus 120. Minus one four. Wow, look at that. Minus one fourteen. Sport bet same, and then minus one thirty five. Well, a lot of times some of the books get their lines from the other books. Oh, okay. Um, but, but it's that not copied on the other ones. That doesn't surprise me because, well, not all of them, but it doesn't surprise me because I have a feeling that that line will go up and down in in the in each of their favors um, as we get closer to the fight. Mm-hmm. Just because it's such a close fight, um, my gut says Bobby Green takes this because of his durability and because of his ability to take, take one and trade the other, uh, whereas Barboza is much more of a, a finisher, but um, his chin is just suspect at this point. I, I was reluctant to say that for a while, but when, you know, when Cerrone dropped him with the jab, I think his, his contendership kind of just went out the window because you can't rely on that. Um, his, his chin is a little bit suspect, and I think that Bobby Green's going to be able to take one and trade one back. Now, if, if Barboza catches him with one of those kicks, one of those really good ones, I could see it being a short night, but um, I think Green is, is tough, and he'll be able to use his boxing over the three rounds to, to frustrate Barboza. Um, we've seen guys frustrate Barboza in the past. Ross Pearson, um, even Anthony Njuquani, um frustrated him a little bit. So I think that this could be Green's fight to lose, um, but Barboza's never out of it. Mm. Okay. And last but not least, Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar. Frankie's going to be the favorite. And I don't know. It's a very interesting style fight. I, I don't know how to... I don't know how to gauge Cub Swanson 
his complete package against Frankie Edgar because Frankie's such a good counter wrestler, and be, I feel like they're so they're so similar not in in the way they move or anything like that, but just how complete uh, how complete their games are um, that they kind of counter each other out. I'm not sure I'm not sure how to how to gauge this one properly. I I wouldn't bet on it. I'd stay away from it. But I think Frankie should be able to edge it out just because Frankie's been at the at the upper echelon of this sport for quite a while now. Frankie minus two forty, Cub plus two hundred five. Yeah, close. All right, that does it. Uh, Saturday UFC Fox Sports One prelims also on Fox Sports One. Fight Pass seven o'clock, prelims Fox Sports One eight o'clock, and then main card at ten o'clock from the Frank Irwin Center in Austin, Texas. Also Metamorphs, and great news that their show starts at two p.m. Pacific, which is five p.m. Eastern time. So right before all the UFC action, and of course. Manny Pacquiao also fighting Long Island Zone, Chris Algieri in Macau, China. So a very busy night once again on Saturday night. It is 4.39 p.m. Eastern time. In 21 minutes from now, the UFC will be holding a gigantic press conference. Some of the biggest stars, they've been tweeting out pictures, are all there. Biggest names, biggest champions in UFC are going to be uh, on the stage alongside Dana White. They'll also be announcing their entire to uh, 2015 schedule, also just announced via my, uh, my good friends over in Canada. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, just announced over in Canada, uh, Dave, Dave Debert of the, uh, was it the Post Media? What's his outlet again? God, I screwed this up. Post Media News, yeah. Just announced that uh, the UFC going to Canada, going to Calgary in 2015. So that's big news for the Calgary fans. I know you've been wanting that for a long time. It will all be answered in a matter of minutes. And they will also be breaking some news. There will be some special announcement made. So look forward to that. I'll be watching it with all of you. And we'll have coverage on MMAfighting.com as per usual. So stick around for that. 20 minutes away. Take a shower. Make a sandwich, do what you got to do, and then come back at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 Pacific to watch the big press conference right here on your favorite MMA site, MMAfighting.com. You can hit my music. I think I'm actually going to stay in this seat. I don't care. I know they do shows and when I'm going to stay here and I'm going to force them to work around me and I'm going to watch the press conference. Nope. All right. Fair enough. That's all it took. But I will be watching it somewhere here because at this point, if I try to go back... I will miss it, and I don't want to miss it. I'm, I'm very curious about the schedule stuff. Let's see what happens. And the big announcement. Let's see what happens. In any event, I want to thank everyone who stopped by. Thank you very much to Chuck Mendenhall. Great stuff, as always. Thank you very much to Halleck Gracie. Again, info at metamores.com. Do you want to compete against Vinny Magalhesh this Saturday? $10,000 on the line if you beat him. Nothing if you sign up. I mean, can you get something? Not my call. Good luck. Curious who they pick. Good luck also to Eve Edwards. Great talking to him. Big fight for him on Saturday. Hoping to snap that losing skid. Nick Diaz joined us. All of you thought it wasn't going to happen. I loved it. All the tweets. Didn't believe me. Thought I was ribbing, joking, trolling. It happened. You saw it. Nick Diaz. Appreciate it very much. Best of luck against Anderson Silva. Thank you very much to Anthony Johnson. Great stuff. Maybe my favorite Anthony Johnson interview. Really appreciate his time and honesty. And thank you very much to Frankie Edgar for stopping by as well. Best of luck to him 
against Cub Swanson. The MMA Beat is back this Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, live right here on MMAfighting.com. So join us then. Until then, if you missed anything, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, iCloud, iCloud, SoundCloud. Peace out, Mario.